0: Clearly, Spock is the the central character of the Star Trek universe, like from Entei. Yeah. 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 Uh
1: that that's that's definitely an argument can be made for Thank that. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for yeah. noticing. Yeah.
0: You see, Dimitri, yeah. I am smart. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you're right. Well, You've right. I mean, been telling everybody you're not. Uh, but everybody, <laughs> everybody we know that you're not, but you proved me wrong. T-H- All right, we are live yet again with the Keeg Live, your bi-weekly show. Used to be weekly, now it's bi-weekly to get the most out of uh, the episode. I'm your host, Dimitri Pereira. Every time on the Keeg Live, we talk about a different subject. Today, we are talking about Star Trek, and I have brought my uh, 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 two lovely Trexperts Is is I forget who said that earlier. I think it was I think it was Gil uh, Trexperts in to talk about star trek uh let me introduce Gil first Gil is a producer uh he frequents uh uh i don't know you tell me Gil. Gil baron everybody what, what do i frequent <laughs> i don't know yeah what do you frequent uh you know
0: i'm a i'm a producer of live comedy around town uh you guys can find my shows on instagram at your late night is where you're going to find Um, all of our comedy shows that we do uh, monthly right now we're at nowhere comedy club we're very very happy there we've been there for about three months so uh, we're really really um, just more than excited uh, to be doing shows at nowhere comedy club you can buy tickets at nowhere comedy club.com and uh, on a weekly basis here on twitch Uh, if you follow twitch.tv slash your late night. You can see us interviewing different comedians and showrunners and late night writers uh, all about the experience of working in late night TV. Uh, This past week, you can still see it on our channel um, Your Late Night. We talked with Mike Drucker, who is the head writer of Samantha B and has written Mm -hmm. on The Tonight Show and The Late Show with Jimmy Fallon and Saturday Night Live. So you can still check out that conversation and look at uh, all the all the fun late-night clips we made fun of together.
2: Hardest working man in business, everybody. <laughs> uh, hard, <laughs> uh, thanks for coming on the show. Oh, I guess that's time, right? Uh, thanks for giving your clothes and plugs, Gil. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, Gil is all over the place. So where does he frequent everything? Yeah, you can uh, find me so- on
0: Clubhouse now. Just become the, cl- the king of Clubhouse.
2: what's clubhouse
0: clubhouse is the new app it's mostly audio based uh it's interesting because it's a lot of people getting into rooms to just get to know each other and it's actually been really cool it's a it's a cool new experience to be part of
2: i've never heard of it but i will i will send you an invite oh okay time for you to get on clubhouse it'll be like asmr it'll be like hey dimitri I'm eating potato chips right now. <laughs> Come and listen to me. And it's like, oh, all right. Uh, <laughs> introducing our our second guest uh, to round out this. Am I hearing myself?
1: Yeah, Gel Durneka. Why am I?
2: How am I hearing myself?
1: You're in a uh, causality loop. <laughs> all
2: right, Tessin. Are you guys listening
0: to me live?
2: Mm mm Is it coming out of your speakers into your mic?
0: I'm watching. I'm watching the show on Twitch, but I have it muted, and I have a earpiece. So. Yeah. All right. That's very strange. Weird. What am I doing? <laughs> I don't know. I do see two Dimitri's in our Zoom and neither one is muted, so maybe one of your Zoom logins has to be muted.
1: There we go. Thank Ah. you
2: so much. I missed one step of the process. What are we (laughs) testing? Uh, Mr. Platt, we're not testing anything. I was just testing the comments. Testing the comments. Um, All right, switching over to Steve now that I've stopped hearing myself twice. One of me. One of me is enough. One of me is enough. But one of Steve is never enough. Professor Steve Biggs. Um uh Professor I'm not sure where anymore where are you, Professor at
1: Steve? Um, usually I'm at both Fullerton College and Chafee College. This yeah, where semester. Are you I'm professing? Not, yes. Uh this semester I'm not at Chafee. Um okay. so uh, uh you know, things being uh, oh. just don't don't have a class, yeah. Um, so yeah, but normally one of those, both of those two places. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm glad
2: that I have both of you here to talk about Star Trek. Um, uh, Gil was asking me; he was like, "Is something starting up soon?" And I'm like, "Not technically. We did just finish Star Trek Discovery a couple weeks ago, and this is just when I can get that Star Trek episode. Uh, this Star Trek episode, uh, you know, uh, scheduled." Mm -hmm. But uh, before we get to like modern Star Trek, I just want to talk to you uh, both about why you're Star Trek fans and your experiences in the past and kind of what brought you into this fandom. Cause I'm going to be honest. um, I'm going to be honest uh, for a second.
0: Be Uh, nice uh, once in your whole life. uh, Finally be honest.
2: It's not going to be nice, but it has a happy ending, which is, like, uh, I grew up not liking Star Trek. and I, I have to I, leave.
1: Okay. I, yeah, I was a I huge geek. I yeah. had no idea he was a godless communist. <laughs> it was. Uh, I,
2: I, uh, <laughs> I, But even worse than not liking it, and this is a bad thing. This is definitely a bad thing. Uh, uh, and I'm not making light of it. I used to be like, sure, I liked all these geek stuff, but at least I'm not a trick. Right? I used <laughs> to say that. <laughs> that was me back in the past. I, you not nerd. Me now. It's not me now. But you know, it's that it's that nerd superiority, right? Every like yeah. every toxic nerd has that, right? Toxic nerds. Every toxic nerd has my fandom is the best. Their fandom sucks. Look at those nerds over there. I used to say that about Star Trek, and I used to say that about D and D. I'm like, I'm a huge dork, but at least I don't do D and D. And I do both now. I I, I I'm I'm <laughs> really into Star Trek. I'm behind as far. Oh, there we go. We lost Gil. We lost Gil. Everybody.
0: I'm right here. Um, I'm right here, baby. Don't you worry.
2: Don't you worry about a thing. You just got fed up. Um, (laughs) Mr. Plough says this truly is a confessional. Yes. If we were doing this in person, I wouldn't tell you in person because you'll gang up and beat me up. Um, You know, you you, uh, set phasers to stun, you know. Uh, But then I started uh, getting into Star Trek, weirdly enough, with the J.J. Abrams stuff, and then I went back and I watched all that stuff, and uh, I do like I would, Star Trek now. And I would I've love to know from opinions. you. Yeah,
0: what was it about the J.J. movies that made you key in to Star Trek? And what once you once you watched sort of prime Star Trek, what was the thing that kept you? Was was because? I look at the J.J. movies and I th- find them entertaining and there's a lot of sort of the trappings or or kind of aesthetics of it. Um, but it's hard for me to see how someone who got, got into Star Trek by that could go yeah. to Next Generation and still be a fan. Because it's just, it is, the energy of it is very different. The humor of it is yeah. very different.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Well, okay, so first and foremost, when I heard that the J.J. Abrams movies were coming along, I went back and I watched a little bit of stuff that I could find. Um, So I watched Enterprise. I watched some Next Gen and some Enterprise. I think those were like uh, the two that I watched right before the movie. When the movie came out, then I watched more of everything. Um, I got to tell you that, yeah, uh, the movie's fast-paced, uh, the, the fast pace of the J.J. Abrams first movie got me hooked because that's more of my speed. And then
0: No pun intended.
2: I also like alternate <laughs> futures. I like alternate timelines. So weirdly enough, part of me was what's this alternate timeline and what are the differences in this in this original timeline? So okay. then I went back and I watched the original series and I'm like, well Kelvin timelines this. So cause I love I love time travel and like that sort of stuff. So then I was like, I can accept the differences because they're alternate timelines. Mm-hmm. And then as I watched more and more, I uh, I got used to these characters and, and and who they were. And then I started being like, well, who who do I like and who could I play? And then I started <laughs> like putting myself into it. And I'm like, I want Jordy's visor. You know, like I would love that visor. And then I started watching the movies, the older movies, and some of them I liked, and some of them I did not. Uh, That's so.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean,
2: say what you want, but I think Abrams did bring in new fans for whatever. Oh, for reason, sure.
0: For sure. Nothing no, against it. I'm so happy he did.
2: And uh, yeah, I'll be I... honest. This is what something really quick is that you're gonna hate is I went into the Star Trek theater. Being not a troll, but I wore my Darth Maul shirt because <laughs> I I didn't have a Star Trek shirt, and I'm like I have Star Wars shirts so I'm, I'm just gonna go full troll. I'm gonna wear a Star Wars movie. I'm gonna ask the AMC people. I'm gonna be like, can I get a stick ticket for Star Wars? And then they'd be like, what? And I'm like, I'm just kidding. Star Trek. Uh, so I was a dick. I was a dick, and I'm sorry. This behavior is 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 not. Two thousand nine, Dimitri <laughs> Yeah. Two thousand nine, Dmitry was a dick, and I'm sorry.
1: Well, I uh, I did the reverse. I, I wore the- I I wore Star Trek shirts to go see the Star Wars movies. <laughs> okay,
2: all right. I knew we so, were friends for a reason, and that's because indeed. of our toxic behavior. Um, <laughs> that's right.
1: That's so exactly correct. Take,
2: taking the cam away from me, uh, 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 how did how did you two get into uh, Star Trek, and like what were your experiences with it?
1: Steve, you wanna Where go first? Yeah, I uh, so so yeah. at first I used to tell people all the time I said, Yeah, I'm I'm really old school Trek. I I saw Miri, Miri First Run was my first uh, episode of original series. But as it turns out, I was reading a, there's a, a great trilogy of books called These Are the Voyages, and uh, it goes into deep dive about the production of each episode and everything like this. Well, chances are I didn't see the first run of Mary, I probably saw the rerun in the summer, because Star Trek was up against Bewitched. And sorry, Bewitched, we did not Bruce, miss
0: Bewitched. Yes,
1: did not miss Bewitched. <laughs> so, I, although I was intrigued, I was like, I was like, oh, what's this show? Uh, this looks, this looks really interesting. Oh man, it's up to Bewitched. I'll uh, catch it in the summer, right? Because this is a day pre-video recorders. Usually only one TV in the house. And uh, so, yeah. So it was, it was bewitch time on Thursday nights. Um, and then, yeah, over the summer, I finally caught uh, Mary and my brothers and I. Ooh. We were, we were hooked. Well, what's this? What's this shit? And, and then so all that watched watching, you know moved and opened it right up and so i could watch bewitched and star trek (laughs) and uh yeah so i you know i've been a big fan since summer of 1967
2: ah the good old days
1: yeah Uh. yeah (laughs) originally on a on a black and white tv too
0: (laughs) so you didn't know you didn't have the whole technicolor effect what was the first time you saw star trek in color
1: um, it was, um, my parents, uh, went over to a friend's house to play bridge and they didn't want to get a babysitter. So they took us with them. And so we, they, their friends had a color TV and they shoved us over in the corner. And so we were watching Star Trek on a color TV and like, Oh, um, and then I mean, it's, just, it's
0: such a brightly colored show. Yeah. Like I have to imagine that that had to have solidified some of your love for the show. Like, just the colors of it are so incredible.
1: Yeah, if you go back and look at those like mid nineteen sixties uh, TV shows, and, and it could be anything. It could be a cop show. It could be whatever. Even Bewitched and whatever else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sure. they were all just like these are in color, <laughs> you know. Um, but I mean, even things like like on back walls, just like a random purple light yeah you know shining on a shining on a back wall they really uh, used and again, could, a lot in that uh, yeah years. yeah but i mean like i say every tv show was like that you, it yeah. could be a cop show and you'd have like <laughs> random purple wall <laughs> yeah so um so yeah it was it was crazy seeing that stuff in color um of course the first show i ever saw in color was you know, batman but uh and yeah again, another one that of those, was like right primary color. Color. Yeah. Yeah. for sure so um, that's awesome um, yeah. and I... it was just... oh sorry it was just oh it was yeah it was just I mean the whole thing with you know and as a kid I was only like when I was nine years old when I first saw it you know so nine through eleven I guess Went off the air. Yeah. Went off the air in the summer of 69. So yeah. Nine to 11. Um, I, you know, I, I just, I like the color lights and the, and the crazy, you know, makeup and the, and the Horta and, you know, all that stuff. And it wasn't until later that I realized that there was social commentary going on in the thing. Yeah, and in is- fact, of course, when I was a kid, all the social commentary episodes, I was like, yawn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, but
2: yeah, there, there's a species that's half black and half white. <laughs> and, and and then also half white, half black. So yeah. you know Yeah. yeah.
1: Don't you what understand? You're the
0: same, you're the same people.
1: What are you saying? <laughs> He's black on the right side. <laughs> <laughs> um I,
2: I just I just I think it's cute though that Steve uh your your parents were playing Bridge and then you were playing Bridge. In a way. Like, ah, in a way. Andy,
1: right? <laughs> and uh, well interesting. Interesting. Where's, where's my um, monkey rim shot uh, thing?
2: <laughs> uh, I think uh, something about the, the colors in these shows, I, I think it has to do with saturation, so mm-hmm. that you can you can do both black and white and technicolor. That's exactly uh, that's
1: exactly why. Yeah.
2: Yeah, because black and white is all based on saturation, like black yeah. and white.
0: You know, uh, uh yeah, and you had to know that there was a difference between Captain Kirk's uniform and McCoy and Spock's uniforms, right? Right, 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 right. Yeah, so I had a similar story really to Dimitri, but I was a lot younger. You know, when we were kids, it was still the age of like nerds are bad, right? And when I was right. a, little, a little kid, I was like, well, I don't want to be one of those nerds, right? And I didn't realize I was them, <laughs> so um. And I was about nine years old when a friend came over and he was sleeping over and he's like, uh, you want to want to watch next generation? You want to watch star Trek? And I was like, I don't know. And it was some episode. It must've been in the, I know I was nine years old. So I guess that would have been 1992. So, um, what is that season
1: four? That's probably seven. Yeah.
0: 92. No, season seven is 94. So I guess okay. it would have been like five or six. Um, okay. and I was just like, okay, I'm hooked. I'm in, uh, it was, I don't know what episode it was. I don't remember. Um, but something about how soothing and organized it was. I think that <laughs> there was some measure of OCD in my head that was like, everything here is so organized. It's <laughs> so clean. There's no chaos whatsoever, you know, yeah. in, in next generation. <laughs> and there's something about that, that to my you know, young brain, I was like, well, I, this is something I clearly need in my life. And I didn't know why, but I think uh, nowadays I, I do relate it to something in terms of OCD because I remember even as a, as a little kid, like, you know, I needed to make sure my marbles, the ones that looked alike were over here. <laughs> like I was always, you know, doing that kind of stuff and creating patterns and making sure that patterns made sense. So just by virtue of the fact that everyone was in a uniform that told you what their job was, and you had you know three dudes in yellow uniforms and two dudes in in red uniforms and two ladies in blue uniforms, like okay, this is very organized, and that's just a visual thing that got right. into it. But you know, as I grew up with it, uh, I guess it's the same same as you from nine to eleven. Um, it was a really formative time and it was watching those things and getting my mind blown week to week, you know, where um, where you're seeing just these crazy science fiction ideas, mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think age nine to 11 is like prime time for that to get like. Oh, there could be alternate universes, or time could go backwards, or everyone you know could stop remembering you, or you could <laughs> sh- shrink down, or phase through walls, or turn into yourself as a child, or a- like any number of science fiction yeah. concepts that the Next Gen loved to explore. And it was just such a backdoor way into just really expanding my mind uh, at that time. And so, yeah, I completely mm-hmm. fell in love. Yeah. Thanks to that um, one friend, Star Trek on sleepover.
2: It's it's interesting how it comes down to these like small things um, that we you know that that kind of change subtly change our path. Um, a question for both of you is: grow now having started watching Star Trek when you were young. That doesn't apply to me because I was I was already an old man. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, uh, how did it affect you growing up? There is also a corollary question for uh, uh, did you have to hide it also? Did you have to hide your interest in it uh, to get by? But I don't know. Uh, how did it shape you guys as individuals?
1: So I should have hidden it. I did not. <laughs> I uh, I ate the whole thing up. I was a huge nerd all through all through school. I, I, that was just, I was, I was the geeky kid, uh, tall and skinny. I talked about when I graduated high school, I was six foot two and like 131 pounds. So I was a beanpole and, and I even used to draw pictures of myself standing sideways. And it was just my head, a wavy line and these giant feet. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, I was full on, full on, you know, glasses wearing beanpole, pole nerd. And just, I, you know, I ate up almost everything like that. Um, So, you know, so I wasn't one of the cool kids, you know, I was hanging out with the, with the nerds. And of course I was in drama club and all that kind of stuff in high school. And um, so just, you know, yeah, I didn't hide it at all. Um, what it did, but you know, what it did do, the morality of the thing did, did start to catch up with you know because again star trek the reason it became so popular is because they put it on syndication and it played every afternoon right around five o'clock and it's just those same 79 episodes in rotation and you just watch these things over and over finally the like i mentioned before the social commentary and all that kind of stuff started to click in including some you know moral philosophy and all this kind of stuff and I, I would say that, you know, some of that stuff is, you know, it's, it, it, I, I even have the book around here somewhere, everything I need to know I learned from watching Star Trek. Um, that's, you know, uh, any, <laughs> every time, you know, some politician gets up on their high horse about the Constitution or something like that. It's like, dude, sit down, just show this clip of, of Kirk reading, we, the people of the United States, Northern the- America. Uh, that's, that's how you read the Constitution yeah you have to you're read it in <laughs> your voice <for> sure. <laughs> yeah your are dry you know downward inflecting I don't really care about this uh, reading of the Constitution is not making it let <laughs> it's like you know all you white Anglo-Saxon Protestants need to sit down and let the Canadian Jew read, the, read you the Constitution
0: <laughs> who's the Canadian Jew? Shatner? Shatner is yeah. Canadian and Jewish and, I didn't uh, know. and Nimoy is Jewish as
3: well.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Huh. Interesting. Yeah. So, um, and, and okay. Nimoy is what, Ohio, Shaker Heights, or something,
1: something like that. Am I um, wrong about that?
0: Yeah, I can't remember. He might have been a California guy. I think he might
1: have
0: might have grown up in California, actually. Yeah. Huh. I know, I know Takei did. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
0: You know, sort yeah. of with a sad history.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, we'll, we'll get to we'll get
2: to questions. next generation, but uh, uh, uh Gil, uh, what yeah. were you gonna you were gonna say anything about like growing up?
0: Uh, with Star- yeah, I mean it's one of those things. So like once I got into Star Trek, I was like, I guess I'm a science fiction person, and you know that got that was definitely a window into okay, I can be interested in other science fictions. Like that's how I got into comics, you know, I was, uh, open to that stuff and, um, certainly Hitchhiker's Guide, uh, <laughs> I got into that, um, I think I read a couple of science fiction novels through junior high school age, um, but yeah, it just, uh, opened me up to, like, science fiction-y ideas and really liking, really enjoying getting my mind blown whenever I could, um, and, yeah, I, I guess that's generally it. But when I was in high school, I became more of a Deep Space Nine head. Most of my nerdy friends were more on the Star Wars side, I guess, or um, eventually Lord of the Rings and whatever. So I really didn't have, like, a Star Trek community until, like, the world of Facebook and stuff. And then all these people I had known forever, like, were out of themselves as, like, longtime Star <laughs> Trek heads. Like, where have you been all my life? Like, you and I, we grew up in the same time and i had to i was sitting here like nobody knows what i love nobody understands me yeah
3: <laughs> yeah uh,
2: i think this is a, that's a huge thing of just about being a geek before internet like started yeah. really connecting people is is like growing up as a comic book fan like <clears throat> i uh like my friends weren't too big into comics they didn't make fun of me for it which is great but they just weren't as invested as I am. Um, and, and by the I way, the
0: first being a Star Trek head, like informs the kind of geek I am. Right. Yeah. Because I'm a DC more than I'm a Marvel. Right. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a Star Trek more than I am a star Wars. I am a uh, Beatles more than Rolling Stones. You know, that <laughs> like I'm clearly on the sort of optimistic future, you know, bright, shiny, happy things side yeah. of the scale you know you're not going to yeah. catch me you know if given a choice you're not going to catch me watching an aliens movie right <laughs> not because i think they're yeah. bad i think they're fantastic films but you know you're going to see me seeing something that's optimistic and uplifting because that's that's who i am that's how i grew up I was yeah yeah they're watching next generation
1: yeah. yeah i don't i don't mind dystopias every now and then but boy, am I really tired of them right now. It's like, oh my God, is that every science fiction happening right now? Come on. Steve, tell me if
0: you agree with this. I find my, and if people don't know, like my background, I come out of TV and film development. Uh, I worked at Comedy Central. I worked in DreamWorks. The thing that I noticed over the last decade, maybe two decades in all feature film science fiction is the story structure of all of these ideas Every science fiction movie is 20 minutes of explaining to you how the world works and then an hour of running away. It's always, they're always, the structure is always chase movie, chase yeah. scene. And then at the end, a very fast wrap up kind of twist, right? And even the good ones, even yeah. children, even children of men, even looper, even, you know, every, every one of these ideas, they all have that same structure of like, let's give you five to 10 minutes of explaining how this world works. And then our main characters are going to be running away for the next hour.
1: Yeah. And then it's a road trip. Yeah. It's some version of a road trip. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. There's that. And then, and again, I would say annihilation
0: fits into that Mr. Plow. I definitely think annihilation fits into Mm -hmm. that, uh, that mode.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But at least that one, there's also like an additional mystery that they're trying to solve, which I, which I found fast like what is going on here? You know, kind of thing. And then when you do yeah. when it all kind of starts to come together, it's like this is right on the border of being very sort of Lovecraftian. It's like, yeah, there's there's like soul devouring stuff going on here, potentially right. soul devouring stuff. It yeah. Um yeah, it's it's I nobody went and saw it except me and like two other people, I think. But Tomorrowland, that was, that was like its thing was, was there was a society trying to send messages back, warning the present that, you know, things are coming to a head. Look at all these disasters. And instead of wanting to do something about it, it was like, yeah, give me more, give me more disaster. Give me more apocalypse. And they're like, who thinks like that? (laughs) And I was like, that's pretty damn good message. Actually.
2: I, I think it's interesting because Steve is a huge Superman fan. Mm
0: -hmm. I'm a huge Superman fan. I'm for sure. I'm a giant Superman fan. Yeah, absolutely. So
2: that, that all, that all lines up, right. (laughs) Is like the best Superman is the hopeful Superman, the inspiring Superman. Right. Uh, I love Batman. Well, okay. So I love Batman more than Superman. Yes. I'm not in the same vein as you guys in that respect, um, but I do like the hopeful Superman. I like the inspirational Superman. Um, I want a Superman that can throw punches.
0: Right, and all I DC also... Comics as a corporation wants to do is give me mean Superman. That's all they want to do right. is give or, me evil right. Superman
1: or mopey right. Superman
0: or mopey Superman. That's all they want to give you. They, they, you know, uh, I don't know if you guys are reading Future State but you know, between Jonathan Kent and Connor, uh, both of them are like Superman who can't live up to Superman. That's like right. the idea. Right. And it's like, okay, well, what are you guys doing? Like, do you guys believe in this idea or don't you?
1: <laughs> right. right. Insecure right. Superman. And it's funny because every time it, what I find, again, I've been, you know, I've been reading Superman comics since the early sixties. Um, and it, it, what has always fascinated me is every time they try to, you know, like depower him, make him quote unquote more relatable, all this kind of stuff, or play up the alienness of it, it it's like they stop doing that after a while because that's not who Superman is. Superman, it, it, I, I explained it to somebody like this once. I said, I said, the, the, what John Byrne did in the mid 80s, was brilliant. Was basically was basically laying out there Superman is not the real person. Clark Kent is the kid that grew up in Smallville was raised by the Kents and with the high school with Lana Lang and everything. That's the real guy. The you know, leaping tall buildings in a single bound and x-ray vision and heat vision and being real that's just what Clark Kent can do but doesn't feel like he can do it as Clark Kent. So he's invented the Superman persona yeah, that allows sure. him to show that stuff off.
0: Yeah. And it and seems so- like every comic book fan understands that and no, <laughs> uh, no corporate people at DC. Understand. No. And,
1: and it's, and, and it cracks me up because I go, it's easy. Let me put it to you in showbiz terms. Superman is, what if Jimmy Stewart in Mr. Smith Goes to Washington could leak tall buildings in a single bound? That's that's who the character is. You it's think the that.
2: covert execs are all about Mr. Smith Goes to Washington?
1: No, no. <laughs> no <laughs> like out of all the
2: references.
1: You know? <laughs> or, or, or or then I would I Superman is is um and I'm trying it's to hard. Think It's hard to think of something so upbeat nowadays. Well, right. He's he's a Tom Hanks character who can leap tall buildings in a single bound.
0: Yeah, exactly. Or you know, even (laughs) Captain America. Like we see that. That's
1: that's the one. one. That's I'm like, why? Why? Look, here is a guy with those you know sort of golden age you know values, and he's one of the most popular movie characters out right now. Right. Why and, but, you w- but
0: the Disney executives, or at least the people at Marvel, like, they're like, Oh, there's an excuse there. You can say, well, this guy's a man out of time. No matter what you would do with him, he's a man out of time. Uh, and you, the- and theoretically, like Richard Donner did the same thing. Like the way yeah. that he presented Smallville in those movies yeah. was a very thirties and forties kind of out of a Norman Rockwell painting kind of place. And there's no reason you couldn't. Still, give those visual signifiers. You know, you right. don't have to have weirdly Nietzschean. You know, uh, <laughs> Hawk Kent being like, maybe you shouldn't have saved those kids or whatever. Yeah. We're getting way off topic.
1: <laughs> we are, we are. But but it goes back to, but to to bring it back. in Dimitri and I have talked about this before, and then I'll we'll get back to the Star Trek. The difference between the Marvel the current Marvel movies and the Warner brothers movies that are based on DC pro- projects are Marvel <laughs> studios was, was started by comic geeks. Uh, and they, and, and I've been doing a rewatch of the Marvel movies and they have like a creative, like almost parliament. Right? Yes. Uh, <clears throat> that exists there. That's made up of comic book guys. Um, Brian Michael Bendis. Um, I forget who the other ones, but you know, three Audie, I
0: think was part of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and Warner Brothers is run by entertainment lawyers. Who knows if they've even read a comic book, you know, they just, yeah, right. they're looking at the bottom line and they want to know, okay, so Batman's making a lot of money. What else we got? That's like Batman. Well, there's, there's Superman. I go, right. So he's like, he's like Batman, but he can fly. Right. I go, well, no, he um, he's really hopeful. Yeah. Yeah. No, we need him dark and gritty. right no you don't (laughs) um
2: an interesting point that mr plow makes in the comments is that when you make superman dark you rob his villains of the potency of their archetype so mr plow was saying dark superman makes lex a hero you know it also makes him make sense right if it's dark superman who is just unleashing his power then lex makes sense then we're just gonna side with lex right right Right. Like in the Man of Steel verse, in the Man of Steel, you know, universe, uh, Superman's just a dick and uh he he topples buildings and I get it. It was the start of his career, but like
0: And he's like, I can't believe people judge me for this. Like the yeah. entire the entirety of Batman versus Superman is like they don't get me. Like, yeah, it's, you
1: know, it's like well and it's and and again Zack Snyder it's exactly.
0: so hard to be the man who wears the crown, and you're like, Superman doesn't think he has a crown.
1: <laughs> he doesn't think but he has that, a crown. Superman Nor does, he does think not he's think an alien.
0: He, yeah, exactly. Superman doesn't think he's above humanity in any right.
1: way. No, he's he's just a guy. That's right. That by hero, the way, he can. A hero he can is fly a man who does what binch, he can. Yeah, who by yeah. the way can fly and bend steel in his bare hands, but other than that, he's just this farm boy from Kansas. <laughs> right uh because uh oh uh, no okay we're, we're yeah yeah okay
2: we right. have we have a superman episode on the books so all right we'll invite <laughs> us both back
0: cool. we're gonna <laughs> yell and rant and rave i I literally have a list i made of like tw- 20 evil supermen that dc has created over the last you know 20 years like they constantly yeah. try that? i don't know Did if i've ever it? Did I see i'm that? sure i posted it yeah because they ha- they constantly are trying to be like Superman but a dick. Eh, what about su- <laughs> Superman from another uh, world who's a dick? What about Superman where Lois has died and he be- has become a dick? Like, they do constantly, and there's so many Superman bad guys that are just Superman but an asshole. Yeah. Right. yeah. Um,
2: yeah. B- Bringing it back, because I, I wanted to... Let's bring it back. Because I'm trying to tie yeah. in the Star Trek optimism into yeah. the Superman optimism is kind of where we went. And then bringing yeah. it back here, uh, uh, the the first series uh uh the original series was uh very optimistic with with philosophical lessons and whatnot um uh, uh that's the one that you started with right uh, obviously Steve,
1: right yeah yeah um and and i was as skeptical as anyone when they were talking about doing next generation i was like mmm. Yeah, yeah, you know, I think they're trying to catch lightning in a bottle. I I'm, I'm going to be there cuz it's brand new Star Trek, but this is not Kirk, Spock and McCoy. I don't know about this. Yeah. And um oh yeah, it was like mm, mm. And then you know, the first couple episodes I was like and well, like in the second the second episode, they just basically re, you know, remade uh, the Naked Time yeah, and I was like, "You're already recycling stories, Jiminy Christmas." You guys are gonna run out of ideas here, in, you know, in a year. And the behind, well, yeah, and so, but I still kept watching. And after a while, I, you know, caught on with who the characters were, and I think that's why they did that, you know, naked time or the naked now episode. It was like, okay, but we, but you guys, we need to kind of establish who they were first before we. Flipped them on their ear a little bit. Anyway, what
3: was the naked
2: time? <laughs> I, I I I've never seen those episodes. What were? What was that about?
1: So, so it's the naked time. They they get like this. They go and they see this planet where it looks like the the crew of this research uh, facility went nuts, and it was in a frozen planet. And so one person was taking a shower with their clothes on, and of course all the water's frozen um people took off their environment suits it looked like two people were you know died basically beating each other to death and everything and it turns out there was this there was this like this chemical in the in the water and so it got passed through perspiration and anything like this that basically took away all your inhibitions and and um you know kind of fueled whatever filters you had It just kind of took all those away so they did that with the original series and that's where we learned that Nurse Chapel is in love with Spock and Spock didn't want to reveal his emotions, but he's got them, you know, and okay. all this. And then for next gen, it was, you know, Picard and Beverly Crusher kind of, you know, toying around with, Oh, I think we actually have feelings for each other. <clears throat> uh, Tasha Yar ends up sleeping with data because he's fully functional.
3: Yeah. Uh
1: You know, all kinds of other fun stuff. Oh, in the original episode, that's the one that you always see the picture of George Decay with no shirt and a a fencing foil because Sulu always wanted to be D'Artagnan. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, The first one, The Naked Time, is really good because, again, it had like three or four episodes by that. It was like a mid season episode. So we knew, knew who those characters were, or so we thought. And so then when they, you know, ripped apart all the inhibitions and everything. It's like, oh, that's who these guys kind of really are. Mm, interesting. With Next Gen, it was the second episode. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. <Okay. laughs> I think yeah. I want to jump in and just get to your point because, um, you know, those first two seasons of Next Gen are pretty rough. You know, in the 60s, you didn't have that luxury because they right. were almost going to get canceled at any time. So there are only three seasons of the original series um And they really, like, came in guns a blazing, Uh mm-hmm. by Next Gen. You know, the deal they made to create the Next Gen was that it was first-run syndication. It was really right. the first show that had ever done that. So they actually ended up, you know, because they pre-sold the show, essentially, they kind of had more time to find it out. And I think that the, the thing that... The reason we have Star Trek today, the reason there have been... However many spin offs essentially of next generation as opposed to spin offs of the original right. is that those actors on the next generation truly truly loved each other and got along oh, yeah. they, they you know in the second season of next Gen, they even replace uh Gates McFadden uh, with Diana Muldar, who's an older actress uh and the cast hated her. The cast did not get along with her the audience didn't like her because. She's kind of uh, uh, a little bit racist to Data. She's very much like in the McCoy kind of mode. Um, and by the end of season two, they're like, all right, we got to bring back Cheryl McFadden, who, you know, been off uh, choreographing movies and whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that is and exactly what Steve said. Each of these characters... Were such strong archetypes on next gen. Everyone had very specific uh, character traits that you could really key into. And it made it, you know, especially for, again, I was pretty young. I was nine years old. So this was really my training wheels for live action drama. I was watching Disney Afternoon stuff. I was still watching mm-hmm. Darkwing Duck and Ninja Turtles, you know? So. As, as sophisticated as the storytelling was, the characters were always very, very simple. And that's one of those things like, oh, even a nine year old can get it. Even a nine year old can get that Worf has anger problems and is trying to figure out his place between his heritage and the life and the world he's in. Or, yeah. you know, uh, that, that Riker is the ladies man and he's, Still in love with Deanna Troy, you know, the this very, very broad archetypes. Um mm-hmm. and I really think that you would not have Deep Space Nine, you wouldn't have Voyager, wouldn't have any of this without nostalgia specifically for that time. As successful as the original series <laughs> was, and then the movies, of course, which came out, you know, uh before and contem- contemporaneous to uh next gen. Yeah.
1: Right. Well, it, and it's interesting, too, because by the time Next Gen rolled around, Star Trek had actually become kind of cool um, with the with the movie series. Uh, I mean, everyone was watching it in the afternoon. All the, again, those 79 episodes over and over and over again. So the general population had already kind of caught on to the original series. Um, and then the movies were, were pretty popular, uh, by and large. And so when Next Gen came along, Star Trek was kind of, was really kind of on the upward swing and i i would say the popularity of trek really kind of peaked in the early 90s early to mid 90s um so like even people that wouldn't consider themselves nerds liked star trek like next gen um and uh where was i going with that oh um but again one thing about about the early years of next gen uh, uh a friend of mine, you know, again, we we're nerds. We like Star Trek. And he was like, you know, I, he goes, he goes, I like it. Okay. He goes, I, he goes, but like the first show, the original series was, you know, like, like, you know, regular humans in space. He goes with next generation, kind of going back to your thing about the you know strong and interesting characters, because I feel like we're watching the Legion of superheroes in space. Cause you got the empath, you got the, you got the alien, you know, you got the, yeah, you got the super yeah, powerful robot. You
0: everyone, got had the their unique, everyone had their unique thing.
1: Yeah. For sure. You got the guy that can see, you know, outside the visible spectrum. Yeah. <laughs> so, And that yeah. becomes
0: kind of like the template for a Star Trek cast. It's like, yeah. everyone has to be the last of something or the only one who does this or whatever, which is why someone like, you know, a Chief O'Brien on Deep Space Nine becomes... You know, unique in his own way, right? Because right. he's like, he's unique because he's the everyman. He's unique yeah. because he's the one guy who with short sleeves. That's that's what makes him <laughs> <it> unique. He's <laughs> okay. the one guy who has like three quarter sleeves because he's going to get in there and get his hands dirty,
1: right? Know? Right. Yeah, that's the thing. I've been doing in Deep Space Nine rewatch. So good, right? And it, it it really is. I it was so funny because when it was first on. Um, my whole thing was, you know, I'm in my 30s when that thing came on, and I was like, "Well, it's okay, but it's not really Star Trek because it's not going anywhere, right?" Um, and it's not as good as Deep Space Nine or not good as Next Generation. But then, as I, as I, you know, as I became more deepens, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, like I missed a couple of seasons in the middle of Deep Space Nine's run, or at least I was only catching it on a spotty basis. And so that's one of the reasons I'm doing a, uh, a rewatch. But <clears throat> when I got hired at Star Trek Next Generation, well, as you can see behind me, that whole that whole attraction was sort of based on Deep Space Nine. You know, it was the Deep Space Nine Promenade and Quark's Bar and everything. And of course, they were really getting into the Klingon lore and going into the Dominion War thing on on that show and so then i started rewatch i started watching it again on a more regular basis and and became a much bigger fan when i sort of caught up with it than when it first started um and so yeah so i always tell people yeah i became a late fan of, of uh Deep space nine because it was okay yeah. And I, I, it's still the the uh, Bajoran spiritualism stuff in it. Even on this rewatch, I'm just like,
0: yeah, that's a little boring. Dude. But but it goes well, somewhere, which is the good thing. It's yeah. not. It's it's they don't drop it. They stick with it, and it ends up being satisfying in the end because it yeah. ends up being more about politics than it is right. about spirituality. Right? It's really about demagogues and people who use religion for their own means. Uh, people who are sort of um you know uh who fake um piety that's what yeah. it's about. that's what the storyline is about so you know having someone like oh god what was her name nurse ratchet who plays uh, uh,
1: i win yeah what's
0: her what's her name louise fletcher
1: yeah louise fletcher yeah
0: i mean uh a queen of an actor like uh just a uh, just a uh, a master actor just incredible right and just plays all of the tonalities of what uh, of what kai win is so incredibly well it's just uh, it, it blows me away every single time
1: yeah uh, it, it, this on this rewatch i was really noticing that 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 veneer of civility of of piety is is just it's wafer thin. It's so thin yes and 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 yet, you know. Again, we see those kind of people all the time, and it's just you're just sitting there going, "You're like a lizard person." You know, you put on this air of, of you know, spirituality or piety and everything, but you can just tell in your eyes that you're just dead inside. I and mean, she is.
0: <laughs> she's the Ted Cruz of of the Alpha Quadrant, right? Yeah, uh-huh. and I think. So the thing that draws me to D Space Nine over and over and over again, the thing that keeps drawing me back to it, and I understand, you know, the older fans when it came out, I completely understand the ideas of, like, it's not Star Trek. They're not going anywhere. They're not <laughs> discovering things. It's not that week-to-week morality play. It's more of a long game, right? What mm-hmm. I love about it is that it does what the Star Wars novels did. And people who liked, who liked Star Wars novels in the eighties and nineties, you know, what is it they refer to it as, Dimitri? It's the expanded universe, right? Expanded universe, yeah. Expanded universe, and so what it's doing is, so we have this, you know, every time we see a Star Wars movie, we're seeing the one story we have to see, right? We're seeing, oh, <laughs> uh, they've they've got to blow up this thing, or have they've got they've got this individual mission. But people are living in this universe, right. one way or another. There are people living there. There are there are Wookiees and there are whatevers, you know, and Star Trek is the same kind of thing is that you had, there's this idea in improv where you hear a lot of like, okay, well, why are we seeing this scene? Like what, why are we seeing, why is this scene so important that we have to see this? Right. Um, Why did we get to this today? And it's the same idea in television writing too. Right. Is yeah. like, we're not gonna just watch the episode where someone has to get their taxes in on time and submit their um, <laughs> sub- submit their expense reports and shit. Uh, but you do, you know. So every time you tune into an episode, something big has to be happening, right? And at least part of D Space Nine was the getting in the expense reports. It was <laughs> yeah. at least at least part of it was. Okay, well, we know these really broad strokes about Klingons. We know what their military looks like. We kind of know that they value war above all else. What does it look like when someone isn't like that? When you have a Klingon who doesn't value that, what what does it look like when you have uh, a Cardassian who isn't a you know uh, uh, an allegory for North Korea, right? Um, right. Or you know you're doing the the John Le Carre Tinker Taylor thing where literally a tailor, literally a former yeah. spy becomes a tailor, uh, and so those are the things that I that made Deep Space Nine really really special to me was the idea yeah. like you know the whole thing about Star Trek is every week we're stopping in here we're going to do a morality play and we're going to zoom off at ludicrous speed right Deep Space, <laughs> yeah. Deep Space Nine was we're going to stick around for a while. We're going to see what Mm -hmm. happens next. You know, it's almost, do you guys remember um, Charlie Wilson's war? Yeah. The, the the ending line of that or the, um, I never thought the, the line. Yeah. The line in there is that the guy from the state department is like, uh, we'll see. That's the answer to everything is we'll see. We can make a deal with the Afghanis now, but we'll see what happens next. We don't know. We'll see. And that's, That was the, I think, the undercurrent of everything in Deep Space Nine, was like, we're going to stay here, we're going to see what happens next, and it might not go like we think it's going to go, but, you know, um, and I think that's part of why I'm really enjoying Lower Decks as well, because (laughs) they built into the series the idea of, like, we are the second contact ship. (laughs) After the Enterprise comes and makes first contact and has the adventure, we're the guys who follow up and make sure that the paperwork is signed, right? Um, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And, like, in a a theoretical bureaucracy like the Federation would have to be, there does have to be that follow-up. And, you know, the books I ended up enjoying for Deep Space Nine were all the ones that were like, let's stop in on Andoria and see what it looks like because they have... Pairings of four in their um, in their bond yeah. groups, right? Or what is it like, you know, um, when we visit the Gorn eighty years later? You know, we haven't seen the Gorn in a while, so there was a that was a graphic novel. There was the Gorn crisis, yeah, um, and that was really really good. Um, but yeah, the, the things that I enjoy that I end up enjoying about Star Trek are let's go back and see and revisit this society again because it almost seems really irresponsible for us to go to the the planet where the people are half black and half white and we're never following up with them. Like that's, that's almost the, um, the premise of Wrath of Khan, right? Is that right. followed up with Khan.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. or the, or the one that always gets thrown out there as, as wow, that was one time when Kirk really blew it was the, actually the, the vault, the, the, the Apple episode, the, with the giant dinosaur head thing. And the children of all, it's like, that was, it may have been a stagnant society, but it worked. They weren't sacrificing each other to the thing. They were just, you know, feeding this dinosaur head, you know, carbohydrates to keep the machines working. And yeah, there wasn't much art and culture and science and, you know, that kind of stuff going, but it wasn't going, and he blew it up. said, no, we
0: know better. Yeah, We blew it up. And by the way, because... Of that, because that's where I end up coming to Star Trek from is sort of the, the politics, the fictional politics of this. As much as I love a good science fiction story, you know, I'm really interested in like the what happens next, what happens when you have to deal with the Cardassians or whatever. That, because of that, my favorite film in the franchise is Undiscovered Country. It's Star Trek Mm 6. Yeah. Because it's very specifically an allegory for the Cold War. Um And a thing I have often said about the philosophy of Star Trek, especially like the philosophy when it comes to diplomacy, is to treat people who are your adversaries like they are one day going to be your allies. And I think that's something that's very inherent in Star Trek is the idea that like, yeah, the Klingons are our enemies for now. For but now. at some point, they are going to be our closest allies, and we're really going to need each other. And that yeah. is the promise that Deep Space Nine delivers on, is like, yeah. you know, uh, the Romulans are our adversaries. For now. For but, now. Yeah. but we're going to find common ground at some point. And even the whole ending yeah. of it is the Dominion, you know, they are our enemies. For now, right? Dimitri, For I now. see you being yeah. being a little confused.
2: I'm not confused. You're blowing my mind right now because I never um, thought of that. Mostly because um, I am a forgiving person, uh, but a lot of the time it's like, all right, now now we're at odds. That's the way it's going to be forever, right?
0: But yeah. like uh, in real life, that is the real philosophy of actual State Department people, right? China right. is our economic adversary, but it doesn't mean we have to you know, put out anti-Asian propaganda, right? We don't have to treat them like they're monster people like we did in the 1920s or whatever. We can treat them like... Or
1: or the 60s or the 70s. Yeah, or throughout history,
0: right? (laughs) I mean, we literally had a Chinese Exclusion Act, right? Uh, But we don't have to treat people from other cultures like they're monsters because eventually we are going to have common ground and we're going to need something from each other, right? It's not a zero-sum game.
1: Yeah, I you know all during the Reagan administration, where we, yeah, I mean, you know, talk apocalyptic. It was like you know we we were, we were the day aftering and threadsing and testamenting. You know, every other movie or TV show was about well, we're just we're just going to blow ourselves up. It's, right, it's going to happen tomorrow. Because yeah. um, once someone once happened.
0: someone isn't just your enemy, like they are literally subhuman or another species. There's right. no there's no turning back from that. In the end, right? Either the volume has to keep going up to the point where you're like, well, if they are an evil empire, the only logical solution is that they have to be wiped off the face of the earth, right? If right. if they are other humans with their own priorities and needs, then you can work with them.
1: Yeah, and I, I got into all kinds of arguments with some real, you know, John Birchers you know, back in those days, and I was like, our. Is not with the Russian people. The Russian people are just like us. They're just right. you know, they're they're they've got their shops, <clears throat> they are out tilling the farms, all this. Our issue is with it wasn't Gorbachev yet, it was um yeah, you know, Yeltsin or Yeltsin, yeah. And was it you know, Yeltsin? All... It might have been
0: before Yeltsin. Yeltsin was yeah. after
1: Gorbachev. Oh, you're right. Or just before. Anyway, can't remember. But anyway, whoever that was. Whoever whoever we were at odds with you know it was that was it it was reagan and whoever the russian premier or reagan and whoever the chinese you know president was had nothing to do with the chinese people chinese people aren't working in the fields and trying to keep doing everything else it's like those people aren't bad people their governments may suck but those people aren't bad people and i remember you know when i was in grad school part of the reason i I picked a particular grad school that I went to was because we did a lot of overseas travel and I had done none by that point. And here I am in my forties and I had done no overseas travel. And that was, you know, right at the height of Bush era. You know, we, we went into um, Iran uh, the spring that I was over there in, in uh, 2003 and we were in Russia. We were in, Germany, we were in Italy while all that was going on, and and those again, those people were <laughs> you were driving around and we'd see like graffiti in Germany or Russia, Germany, usually it was like in English, fuck Bush, you know, and all this. It's like, and they would say, No, we love mm-hmm. Americans, you don't like your government, sure. like,
0: even yeah. Iranians today. I mean, I don't know if you guys remember, um, I guess this must have been during the Obama administration. Uh, There was a, uh, like an online, it was like a campaign kind of like a, and it's get, it gets better kind of thing, but yeah. it was between Iranians and Israelis. Do you remember this? Where Iranians and Israelis were both making videos that were like, we love you, Iranians. We love Iranians. We want to have peace with you. And Iranians did the same thing. We love yeah. Israelis, you know? And now I don't want to give a ton of credit to the Trump administration, obviously, but look what happened, you know, we have now uh, Israel and the UAE are having, you know, people are moving to each other's countries, people are, yeah. th- the, it's open, there's, there's um, diplomacy, and that's super important, and, you know, as an Israeli-American, like, I see the conflict, the, the Palestinian conflict and all of this stuff, and the thing I always want to say to people is you have to remember, we are going to share the same land, and if you don't want to, To get to a point where you are, I mean, look, Israel is always going to get accused of committing some terrible atrocity, but unless you want to get to a point where you are literally committing a genocide, you have to tone down this rhetoric and treat the people like they're humans and that eventually there will be peace. You have to know that because otherwise, what are you doing? You're behaving like the only solution is that one of your peoples has to go away and it's just not realistic. Do yeah, you guys? And, do you
2: guys feel uh sorry real quick. Uh well not real quick. I mean so, <laughs> getting back on track. Do you guys feel like Star Trek uh a Star Trek fan No, it's it's hard. I can't generalize this. But like how do I put this? Star Trek helps people critically yes. think?
0: I do. I do. Yeah. Yeah. because cuz you're seeing examples of it. You're seeing yeah. examples of people working through these ideas. It's yeah. not you know, it's not there's a mission and I have to shoot my way through and that's the story. And the story is just about their personal whatever. When you're looking specifically at Next Generation and Deep Space Nine and, and the original series, you really are watching people work out morality plays and discuss yeah. moral philosophy.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, the, uh, the <clears throat> a, a lot of what we were just talking about, I, I got my I got my first taste of those ideas through Star Trek Mm -hmm. Um, there's an episode of the original series which is you know a private little war which is basically you know it's set on another planet but it's really about Vietnam (laughs) and you know and I think McCoy confronts Kirk about this he goes so so what you know we give you know the Klingons give them muskets so we give them you know repeating rifles And, and Kirk's like yes and until we get the balance of power, we keep escalating. It goes, well, then who suffers for that? <laughs> you know, something along those lines. It's like, it's like, yeah, here's this planet. They're doing their own thing. You got these two superpowers using that planet, that country. As a proxy as war. Right. Yeah. Yeah. As, yeah. Yeah. And, and basically as a pawn. And it's like, yeah, these people want to have nothing to do with that. And they, you know, through no fault of their own, get get caught in between these two superpowers going at it. Yeah. Yeah. So, Uh, so yeah, those moral lessons and stuff. I mean, I get it from Star Trek. I, you know, I, you know, what, what, what were my morality plays? Star Trek, Superman, you know, 60s era Superman and Batman, really. Yeah. It's there to teach you how to be a person. Yeah,
0: because right. at some point you have it's to go out ones. there and be a person. Yeah,
1: the good stories,
2: right? Like yeah. Star Trek, and and the good comics. There are comics that are just you know whatever, but yeah. like it's the good, thoughtful ones, the ones that are thought out with good writers that, mm-hmm. that propose this, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I still think it's interesting when there's Star Trek. I'm I'm sure Steve knows when there's Star Trek fans who don't understand the parallels <laughs> between real life and
0: i mean i don't understand look i i already don't understand conservative philosophy but you know i even less so understand conservative star trek fans or conservative uh you know comic book fans like i don't i don't really get it but it's not for me to understand uh
2: sorry steve do you guys um yeah i you know
1: i've I, i think i've talked to dimitri about this before i have dropped um a couple of facebook pages uh, there was one in particular called old guys that like old comics and i just finally had to drop it because of their back in my dayism and it's like yeah what you're yearning for and is is you know back in my day we could be casually racist and misogynistic and nobody gave a damn it's like yeah well guess what it's 2021 and how did you read exactly the same comics i read and still think that what you just said was okay.
0: (laughs) Right. How did you read something like Legion of Superheroes? Yeah. right. That is so much about, yeah, that is all about multiculturalism and, and loving your fellow neighbor and loving someone who's different from you. And the lesson you came away with was still a conservative kind of philosophy. I don't understand. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and, and all the, uh, you know, the, the cry of, Oh, go woke, go broke. And it's like,
0: i've never how? seen it. i don't know what that even means
1: <laughs> go, uh, go.
0: They're, they're you mean co- they're gonna boycott
1: yeah or or uh look uh, the classic one has been supergirl the tv show uh well oh, they're just they're, look they're pushing a political agenda blah 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 go woke and go broke because they keep talking about how that show is gonna gonna get canceled and all this kind of stuff and, and of it never it does. never does no, it never does. Well, this is its you last know. season. But but these are last season. Yeah. But it's mostly of which one? Which one? Supergirl. 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 Yeah, Supergirl. But it's mostly because yeah. Melissa Benoit is gonna be a mom. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um she, she wants to go and have a you know, raise a family. As we <laughs> it has as we segue it it.
2: As we segue from this, uh though you know, I, I love to I love to talk about this stuff. I, I just feel like throwing a grenade and, and walking away right now. Uh, not from this but anyway because uh, I'm on TikTok a lot and I'm listening to what like Gen Z people and I don't want to call them kids but it's like Gen Z kids are talking and like that's okay I'm old. I, I'll do it they're kids <laughs> I, 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 I read the I read the comments and stuff and they're very uh, inclusive and they're doing things better and like we can all learn from each other and that sort of thing but I think what's funny is. When people say, "Oh yeah, Superman would be a Trump supporter," and no. it makes no sense. That There's doesn't no, make any sense. No, Mister Plow was talking about mental gymnastics in the in the chat, and it makes no sense. Uh, I could see,
0: like, I could see that with regards Kansas. to Batman, maybe. I think Batman does have an inherent conservatism to the mm-hmm. idea, yeah, uh, but Superman Trump. is Superman is a liberal. Superman <laughs> yeah. is absolutely a liberal. I don't care that he's from Kansas. It doesn't matter. Like, it's very... His philosophy is very, very humanistic and very liberal. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
2: Um Absolutely. So I just felt like throwing out that grenade that somebody said that I thought was ridiculous. Well, somebody and- said
0: something dumb. Welcome yeah. to the...
2: <laughs> yeah. Sorry yeah, to break. With, you. <laughs> yeah. Same with Star Wars. It's, like, Star Wars fans who don't understand what the Empire is. And, like... Okay. So...
1: Uh, or, or my oh. other favorite thing you is some... is all the, I, I can't remember if they're actually policemen or they're militia guys, who put the Punisher thing on their <laughs> on their. Oh, Alaska. it's both.
0: It's it's policemen and militia guys. And you're like, yeah, yeah they just don't that, get it.
1: That's uh, yeah. You realize that's
2: a cautionary tale, right? <laughs> right. Because uh, even in the comics, they had to write it in where Punisher takes the decal off of the police car and and rips up, and he says. You should not be idolizing me, right? you like, if like basically if you go out of line, I'm coming for you, right? Yeah. I do not, you're not, you're not part of my team. He says there's a man out there who would need you is Captain America. That's who you should analyze or uh, idolize. idolize yeah, you should yeah. idolize Captain America, not the Punisher. So yes, I am of the stance that if you're a if you're a uh, if you're a cop. You should not be idolizing Punisher. You Mr.
0: Idolized, Plow disagrees with me. that Batman would be conservative. I look. I could be wrong. I've, I'm happy yeah. to argue with this all day. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm very happy to be wrong on this fact. My basis for that. I
2: think you are wrong with that. But Frank Miller's Batman is conservative. Like, sure. There are yeah. iterations of Batman that are conservative, but I think that like well, the general comments are. I'm yeah. I'm happy That's to be a wrong. Whole different topic. Sure. That's a whole uh, different thing. Uh, 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 what I do want to get into is. Uh, is uh current uh current shows and and that sort of thing but but before we do uh i need to uh, run out and i'll come back in a minute if you guys uh want to continue talking about whatever
0: yeah steve what do you want to talk about (laughs) um i don't know
1: um yeah i i think uh i think frank miller's uh version of superman is conservative
0: Oh, clearly, yeah. Um, he's, he's clearly like based on Reagan in terms of face. Uh, he sort yeah. of re- represents a a fascistic kind of yeah. um uh like a a nanny state, like a nineteen eighty four kind of like um, surveillance state. Um, yeah, yeah. I I think that's and, a and, really and very much a bad reading of Superman. Did you did you get to read Frank Miller's Superman Year One that came out last year? Um. John Romita Jr. Yeah. Uh, drew it.
1: Yeah. I thought it was
0: so terrible. I hated it.
1: What I you think? thought it was I thought it was interesting. Um it, it's it's not one of my favorite versions, but I thought it was interesting. I, I didn't have the hate for it that a lot of yeah. people had but... I,
0: I love a good Superman origin story. If you could see my comic book shelf here, you would yeah. see in order, you would see Superman Chronicles volume one. And john burns man of steel yeah. super superman birthright
1: yeah
0: um a secret origin wait where's my uh where's my man of man for all seasons oh no i gotta find yeah. my superman for all seasons uh american alien don't tell anyone i have american alien on my shelf <laughs>
1: <laughs> although again that i thought was a really kind of interesting take on the whole thing and i loved his thing of what american alien yeah and yeah. I love just, no, I think it's
0: uh, good. I just don't want to tell people I have you know a book that has in big large letters Max Landis on it. You know. <laughs> oh
1: yeah. Well, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, why can't people just be regular people anyway? Why can't people be better? Sure. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, but, but yeah, I, but I
0: have every Superman origin story sitting here, and the one I'm never going to get is Frank Miller's Superman Year One because it's just so bad. I just I can't do it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I certainly understand that. And I was like, this is, you know, again, this is an interesting take. Uh, it it wasn't, what was interesting to me about it was, it was neither here nor there. It wasn't nearly as grenade throwing as I thought some people were, oh, Frank Miller's going to do, you know, he hates that character. <laughs> you know, so he's really going to blow it up. It It didn't. Uh, neither was it reverential about the whole thing. It was just kind of like, you know, this is an exercise, and we can put Frank Miller's name on a Superman title.
0: Yeah, completely. Uh, Superman Year One that came out last year, the Frank Miller Superman. Oh, I hated it! <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's what we were talking about. It was so. Okay. I, was, I was telling Steve about all the Superman origin stories are, are together on my shelf next to each other. There's literally the Superman Chronicles which is the Golden Age Superman uh, next to John Burns man of Steel next to birthright next to man for all seasons next to American alien uh, and what's the uh what's the one that Marv Wolfman recently did the man and Superman oh God that Marv Wolfman if you guys haven't read the Marv Wolfman man and Superman this is this is what it looks like it is essential Superman reading
1: it's you yeah, know I don't think I've read that one
0: it's also, the artist is Claudio Castellini. Who, um, if you don't know him as an artist, he was one of the major artists on Marvel versus DC. That's what you okay. would know him for. He's the guy that oh. he he was he became known for doing um, uh, uh, Silver Surfer in the nineties. Mm. Incredible artist. I'm putting this over here to read again later because it's so good. <laughs> it's incredible.
1: Huh. I, I don't. I missed that. But. I
0: did. And Marv Wolfman literally writes in there that it's his favorite thing he's ever written, which is obviously a huge praise. Yeah. All yeah. right. Yeah. Getting back to Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: Uh,
2: so, so Star Trek right now is having a resurgence, right? I'm yeah. I'm not yeah. sure, uh, I'm not sure whether it's equal to um, the nineties. You know, what it was yeah. in the nineties. That being said, the J.J. J. Abrams movie's, uh uh, uh broaden new fans that maybe want something a little bit different and then however long after Star Trek Beyond came out what a couple years then they're like we're not going to make I, another movie I love Star
0: Trek Beyond by the way
2: I did yeah. too Yeah uh, I, like I think too. Yeah. I think
0: it's it's the movie in the Kelvinverse that most closely resembles what I think of as a good Star Trek story because mm-hmm. it's so much about teamwork it's about it's about those characters as a family and of course it's the only one that jj didn't direct but i just think <laughs> it's um i just think it's it's uh the story is just kind of a thin story and you yeah. know obviously the ending is very silly with the you know the beastie boys song that's i don't mind silly silly is fine as long as your themes are there and
3: yeah.
2: why why is sabotage in every each one of those like why why does that song keep like coming back
0: because jj hooked onto it and yeah there let's do it like who cares i don't care
2: like i love i love certain songs a lot but i would never put it in everything that i did
0: <laughs> i don't know yeah. if i could if i could put summer in the city in everything <laughs> I, don't, I,
1: don't, I don't know know. Uh, yeah. yeah but it's one things thing's word, when it happened i was like well, okay, this again, but at least they're using it in an interesting way. <laughs> yeah. Uh I did not like the beyond when when they used it in
2: beyond. Um But Yeah, perfect. Uh the one scene that got me super invested in the first Abrams movie was the opening scene cuz it like
0: Oh, uh, tears. Reason, like, tears. I'm crying, yeah. immediately.
2: Yeah. And who do I? Why? Why would I care as a non-Star Trek fan? Because uh, clearly
0: that? JJ is a really good storyteller, and if you if you put a, a, an inherently dramatic idea like a father going on a kamikaze run in the exact moment their child is born, and they only get to hear the first cries of their child as they're going in to kill themselves, is is inherently melodramatic and 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 great
1: it's just great and yeah and chris hemsworth who nobody knew who the hell nobody that knew was yeah that that was just a total testament to him as an actor having that kind of charisma and being able to get an audience invested in whether or not this guy that we're seeing for like five minutes at the most whether he lives yeah. or dies made us I, like him immediately absolutely yeah, yeah. and I, I said it's a, it's a similar thing. Going back to Superman, it's a similar thing to what Glenn Ford did in that in that first Christopher Reeve movie. He's got like again five minutes of screen time, and we don't see that character fleshed out a lot at all. And in that in that five minutes, we actually care that he has a heart attack and dies. Oh,
2: what happened? That's, I'm, I'm trying to remember. In
0: the Richard Donner movie. Yeah,
2: Yeah, yeah. Who who's the
1: character?
0: I
2: forgot. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Okay.
1: Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And and I, I you know again <clears throat> it's just a testament to here's a guy with a lot of charisma, who with a lot of, you know you just you just like him, and then oh no you know <laughs> yeah and, for sure and and then same thing with Chris H- Hemsworth and in, the, in the, that first J.J. Abrams movie I was just like who the hell is this guy? Yeah. Oh, he's yeah. Thor. Okay. <laughs> Well, he, he wasn't there back
2: then, because I remember when... No, they I asked know. But the store, they were like, oh, it's the one guy who played Kirk's yeah. dad. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh. um, I could credit that one scene for bringing me into discarcer. I think I could credit that one scene.
0: Yeah, yeah I can like, see that. I, I don't think more. you're wrong. Yeah. yeah, and just, like, little moments that are built into that opening scene, like the medic... Uh, you know who you kind of see that they're an alien, but then they kind of do a, a spike right into camera with the giant eyes, and you're like, "Oh, we're not in our normal world." And like little moments right. like that just draw you yeah. in. Like, what is this universe that we're in? You know, we're we're because, in a world yeah. where where aliens are just kind of par for the course. There are people from all sorts of different planets, and we all work together. And that right that tells you what the philosophy is of the world without having to say it. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that um, sense of self-sacrifice, both with the original captain of the Kelvin, and then when the crew takes over once their captain gets killed.
2: I, I okay, yeah, uh, that was also a big thing for me. Was uh, uh, I like seeing diverse science fiction? And so when I watched that beginning scene, uh, the original captain of the Enterprise, I forget his name, but he's
0: he it was, was the Kelvin. It was the USS fan. Kelvin yeah but yeah that guy was in a few things uh a few things during those couple years so yeah Yeah. he was he was um the bad guy in the first iron man he was like one of the terrorists and he definitely showed up a few other places but it was also great to have a guy like that um if someone uh, remembers the actor's name or if someone's looking it up uh but he you know clearly like this was a year after Iron Man, so we were kind of coded with him to, like, think of him as a bad guy, and here he yeah. is playing the most self-sacrificial, heroic guy, you know?
2: And I think that's also the difference with certain properties' portrayals and in certain racial portrayals in... Especially
0: of brown people, of Arab people, absolutely. And then you yeah. get to Star Trek Beyond, where the um, the Commodore of the entire... Space station is an Iranian woman, right? <laughs> yeah, amazing. Uh, who, by yeah. the way, ha- has an accent unapologetically. There's no right. there's no covering it. There's no like it's an Iranian woman who clearly English is her second language and she is in charge and she is our uh, she is our conscience character
1: in that movie. Yeah, yeah. here Tahir, by the way, Ferrante Tahir, yeah, mm. yeah.
2: I was trying to That's,
1: look it up too. Uh, uh, it's Captain Robo. <laughs>
2: so yeah, I I think that that brought me in. Um, and then they went a couple years after Star Trek Beyond, and they were trying to figure out whether they were going to do a fourth movie or not. Right.
0: Right? At this point, it looks like it's dead. I mean, they were trying yeah. to bring Hemsworth back to do a a Hemsworth Pine double hander. I'm kind I don't I don't want it. it I don't want there? it. I don't need it.
1: It was yeah. going to be a time travel thing. It was yeah. going to be.
0: And the only reason is because Hemsworth is a giant star now. And they're like, well, and and that's perfectly fine. That's the way Hollywood people think, right? You gotta have yeah. anything that's gonna get butts in the seats. Um, I'd when I was when I teach Star Trek, like I said, I come from a next generation era where there's much more of an ensemble, right? Like on the original series, you know, Uhura and Sulu have character, but they don't really have a lot of character. Right. They, like maybe Scotty gets the most, because you kind of yeah. get like really who he is you see him get into some bar fights and stuff um (laughs) and you get like a lot of jokes with Chekhov being like you know you know that was invented in Russia like that's the whole thing yeah but in Next Generation you have seven individuals seven people who all have thoughts and feelings so to do a JJ verse Kelvin movie where you're still concentrating on the Kirk-Spock relationship, or even less than that, taking Spock out of it and just doing a Kirk and his father story, Star Trek is not about chosen ones. Right. It's, that's why it's not Star Wars. It's not about messiahs. There's no right. chosen one in Star Trek. Maybe you could say Captain Cisco, but really, like, yeah. It's a wide universe and him being a chosen one for a, that, that specific destiny doesn't make him the hero of the entire, you know, <laughs> right. uh, universe. Um, so that's why I always chafe against the Kelvin timeline movies because there's such an idea of like, you were destined to become friends. That is so not Star Trek to me. The idea right. of destined to become friends. That's so dumb to me because like, if you yeah. look, at Star Trek, the yeah. I think that one of the one of the themes that maybe they it's never made explicit, but uh, something that I've definitely always realized is that this ship could have been crewed by any other set of people. You could have any other set of people well, at, and it almost is, was right. Exactly, <laughs> that's exactly it. Is like you, you, there is an entire fleet out there of starships and they're all running into the same temporal anomalies and doing (laughs) the same first contact shit and having the same adventures. And it's not that our crew are the chosen one crew. It's those are the ones we happen to be watching.
3: Right.
2: Right.
0: Right.
3: Um,
2: Yeah. uh, That's why I was
3: happy about...
0: Uh, what were you happy about dimitri i'm in suspense
2: sorry my connection got uh i my, my, uh, became unstable um uh, sorry okay can you guys hear me now
1: <clears throat> yeah I, I can hear you fine
2: okay wait it's fixing hear- itself maybe
1: can you hear us <laughs> well no what i was going to say while well, you're yeah
2: i can hear you guys can you guys hear me
1: yeah yes um what i was going to say is yeah it was kind of built into star trek that there was this original crew that you know we're just not following anymore uh you know captain pike's crew with a different doctor <clears throat> some of the same crew people but you know a different doctor Spock was different. That's one of
0: my favorite lines in all fiction, by the way. Sometimes mm-hmm. a man will tell his doctor things he'll never tell oh, his bartender. bartender. <laughs> yeah. He'll tell his bartender things yeah. he'll never tell his doctor. Yeah, one of the best lines. Yeah. So, Dimitri, are you back? You're still there? Demetri, you up and running? Yeah, yeah. Can you? I mean, can you hear me? Yeah, we can yeah.
2: hear mine. We always have okay. it. It's my connection. I'm sorry. It's unstable. We never lost it. Um, One yeah, You guys you guys can keep talking. When it stabilizes, I'll 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 be back.
0: Oh, we, right. I feel like we need your direction a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, um so it, I guess to, I guess we're getting into right. sort of new track, track, right? Unless
1: track right. there's something else out. you
2: want. I think it's coming back. It's coming back. Yeah, we're
1: Uh, okay, can you hear me? Yes. Seriously, we've been we've been hearing you this whole time. Well, looking at the notes you sent us, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm I'm watching all of the current shows. Yeah, so, me too. It
0: yeah. was so nice in 2020 to have, you know, this entire, this Star Trek that goes, you know, Picard, Lower Decks, and Discovery. We had three <laughs> Star Trek seasons in one year. Yeah. You know, my cup runneth over, and I see Mr. <laughs> Plow in the chat uh, saying that New Trek includes the Orville honestly, you know, the the Orville started the same season as Discovery Season 1 and Discovery Season 1 was a little more dark, a little more on the pessimistic side, right? And so to have um Discovery and Orville kind of at the same time really scratched the itch I needed for Star yeah. Trek kind yeah, of yeah. in total because Orville yeah. is a very optimistic show, like it, it plays around with being a comedy, but the longer Orville runs, the more Star Trek
1: it is. Oh my God! That that episode that that was centered on the Doctor, uh, in, in the Orville. I was like, that that's a damn Star Trek episode. That is like full on a Star Trek. Episode.
0: Well, you know, a lot of the writers are the same. Like they have Brandon yeah. Braga is is one of the pre- producers on it. And I think what I really like about the Orville is they take some Star Trek concepts and they go, all right, well, what's next in that? Right? Like they had. Yeah. You know the episode where they visited the security officer's family, right? And that is exactly like an Esri episode of Deep Space Nine. <laughs> yeah, it's it's yeah. the same premise, and then it's like, okay, well, what happens next? You know, let's spend a little more time there. And uh, I think Robert Picardo plays her father in that. Because mm-hmm. so, so yeah. many great Star Trek cameos uh, have been coming up in the Orville. I, I love yeah. it. Yeah,
1: yeah, and and Frank's directing a few episodes too. So <clears throat> yeah, yeah, for sure.
2: I want Orville to come back. Uh, uh, it's been gone for so
0: long. It's going yeah, to be on Hulu. The third season supposed to be on Hulu, I thought.
1: Yeah, it got held up by COVID, just like everything else. Yeah, They were about to go into production and then boom.
0: And I think that's so, the last one as far as I know. As far as I know, that's supposed to be the last season. Yeah. Oh. Um. But, you know, Star Trek only got three. That's what I always say. Whenever uh, someone's favorite show makes it to four seasons and then gets canceled, remember, Trek only got three.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Firefly, we got most of one. Yeah. And a movie, though. because
2: they didn't release it all on TV, right? Right. (laughs) That's crazy. Um, uh, But uh, how are you guys feeling about the direction of Discovery right now? Now that we've got three seasons to let it... I mean, it's it's breathing. It's breathing, right?
1: This this last season, I thought, was the most Star Trek that Discovery has gotten. Uh, and I think I think going forward, if they do really make it about rebuilding the Federation, um, that's, that rebuilding the Federation was actually an idea that, that I would have pitched after D-Space, after Voyager, right? Because Voyager's coming back to an Alpha Quadrant that is not like the Alpha Quadrant that they left, right? They're coming to a post-Dominion War Alpha Quadrant. And I thought, I thought a show that would take place after Voyager really should be about the rebuilding. The politic, the well, politic. that's a
0: lot of what the Star Trek novels over the last yeah. 20 years have been. Yeah. Uh, a lot of stuff about rebuilding Cardassia and stuff like that. And I agree with you. I think, you know what's so weird about Star Trek to me, especially in this world where clearly they want to make Star Trek a little more like Star Wars, just kind of across the board. They see how Star Wars gets the... You know, gets big attention and makes just a little bit more money, um, and and they want to figure out any way to do that. And usually, they do that by adding in more action scenes, That's some right. character, some characters that are a little roguish, a little hand solo ish, right? Uh, adding things like destiny into Star Trek, um, you know, all of those kind of things that just aren't inherently Star Trek. But you have literally a, a four years of a war. Like it's part of the lore of Deep Space Nine. You have this, this thing. If you want to go in and do the Star Trek Space Marines show, <laughs> yeah. you can do that. And you, you have four years of story built in. Like you can go and revisit that era and play mm-hmm. around in that era and be like, okay, we have these, these mindless drone soldiers, just like, that are just like stormtroopers in the Gem Hadar. You have all sorts of entry you can have. It's an entire, the war takes up the entire quadrant. Yeah. That's a lot of space and a lot of different missions a character could go on. You could create the story where there are, you know, the Maquis who are sort of the, the space rebels, a little bit Han Solo-ish and follow the adventures of the Maquis during the Dominion war or create a new a ship of cadets or create a ship of this or a ship of that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I, um, it's such a weird thing to me that they just like ignore that era. Yeah. Uh, when, and, and, yeah, go ahead.
1: Well, I was going to say, and then like, like, but, uh, well, at least Insurrection came out during, came out in theaters during the Dominion War arc on Deep Space Nine, and they almost ignored it. Completely. You know? and I, yeah. And I was just like, what? <laughs> Did for a Star Trek movie, where you still have a lot of people watching Deep Space Nine, this should be about, hey, what's the Enterprise doing during the Dominion War? Yeah. Oh, right, just, and all they decide to do is do space fucking tables. around. <laughs> yeah. Just fucking around.
0: That's all they're doing. And so, so the, the next-gen movie in my head is is that Gorn Crisis comic. If anyone's looking for a comic book hit of next generation characters and what they're doing during the during the Dominion War, uh the Gorn Crisis, it's published by IDW. You can find it on Amazon or wherever fine comics are sold. It's <laughs> it's it's actually it's really good. It's super thought out. Uh, there's a lot of like Gorn society stuff uh that we've never gotten to see in any other Star Trek, so you know, and it's it's a reptilian species, uh, which is also one of those things people make fun of Star Trek for just being a human with a thing slapped on their head. Yeah, and it's so nice to see characters that are non-humanoid but are yeah. a species. Uh, yeah. Guys, I'm gonna uh, step away for a sec too. I'm gonna take a break and be right back.
2: Okay, uh, I feel like that movie or series pretty much uh, right like the title at least writes itself. Star uh, Star Trek Dominion, right? Yeah. Yeah. like you know there's a lot you can do there um how are you feeling about uh discovery the one thing that i don't that i that i need more of is the bridge crew because uh in star trek discovery we we see burnham We get a lot of burnham every episode burnham 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 which is great i love Sydney pool martin green she's my yeah. fan cast for storm like when they bring Storm into the MCU, she's my fan cast for Storm. Great. Yeah. Uh we also see a lot of uh uh Emperor Empress uh uh Michelle Yo's character Yao's yeah, character. Not anymore. George O. George. I know, but we, we have seen a lot of her. Yes. We see a lot yeah. of Stamets. We see a lot mm-hmm. of Stamets. we see a lot of Tilly. Um now well, they've introduced Booker you know, but I want uh, the bridge crew. I want, I want uh, Detmer. I want uh, Owe Seikun. I want, I I just, all those people who are always there, very
1: supportive. You can see the emotions. I want more of them. That's what I'm saying. This season, they, all those characters got highlighted sequences in in a lot of the episodes, especially a lot of the second half of the third season. Those characters got highlighted a lot. And now that, with spoilers for those who haven't finished third season. Now that uh, Burnham is the captain of uh, of uh, Discovery, yeah, I'm guessing we're going to get a lot more of a Star Trek esque show where it's the captain and her bridge crew. Yeah. Do you do you feel they they did Saru dirty in a way? I think it, uh, maybe, but I also think that that's a Doug Jones thing. I think he that costume and make he's a 60 something year old actor now yeah and apparently the behind the scenes is the makeup and the and the the boots and everything were just kind of getting to him and uh and he talked in the interviews after shape of water that he's probably getting too old for that kind of stuff uh that that it really all the all the appliances are really starting to wear on the skin and everything. And I'm pretty sure that's why they did those couple of episodes where he wasn't in makeup.
2: Yeah. Um, that I get, but Saru, they gave him captainship just to take it away again.
1: Right. Yeah. I, but and sure. And that, and that's a definite. Um, so, so Yes but they gave the character a good out they gave the character a good out they didn't just demote him he's away he can come back he may not he won't yeah. be the captain of discovery but right. you know he might end up being an ambassador he might end up you know um yeah like being being the kelpian ambassador you know now that the kelpians are coming you know they're actually fully part of the i guess are they a part of the federation or they're I thought there's only two Kelpians left, him and the one guy. No though. No though. Are there other
2: Kelpians? Are there Kelpians still around in the future?
1: Yeah, that's oh, okay. they were talking about that, you know, that, that there were Kelpian crews and all this. So oh. the planet has actually come into the Federation. Okay. Right that whole crew that that the where the one Kelpian was, some of the members of that crew were Kelpian. Right, right. that's why that's why he's there. <laughs> um right so yeah so the so the kelpians had actually got coming you know gone from a fairly primitive society into fully fledged um federation oh community.
2: it's because they weren't part of the federation because of the dilithium crisis right.
3: right
1: right
2: that's why i was thinking they were extinct except for that crew that went out and caused the dilithium problem no, so
3: no, no. um yeah
2: okay uh i mean that makes sense uh I like Booker, because I like the guy who plays him. Uh-huh. You know, he was Manchester Black in <laughs> yeah. in Supergirl. Yeah. Uh, a little on the nose as far as the casting for that, but okay. Fine, I like the actor. uh, yep. uh But I do want to see more of the bridge crew, because they did a lot, but they did a lot together, and you didn't get to see each personality,
1: right? Right, but I mean, they did, they did like, have a little, like, subplot with Detmer being... A little ptsd um right and you know so yeah so she got a little bit more uh, all of the other characters on the bridge got a little bit more to do this season yeah. and so that that's kind of what i was talking about that this season seemed to be a lot more star Trekky than the first two seasons because yeah. we we did start to see crew members other than saru and burnham and stamets and tilly right you know we we did start I to see. flesh out some of those other bridge crew characters
2: I got to be honest I um I am tired of Stamets. Uh, <laughs> I don't care much about um the new Ensign. The 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 she's a trill, right? She's a trill. Oh we are complaining about discovery.
1: She's a, uh, she's I a like human. It. She's a human with a trill symbiote.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah, which is
1: very uh, unique. I yeah.
2: don't care too much about her. I don't care much about Stamets.
0: I will so say is, my so issue my issue with that character, her name is the trill human hybrid. Oh. What's her name? What's their that's name? Again. Sorry, that's, um, that's, that's, uh, Adira. Yeah. Adira Tall. Uh,
1: Adira. Yeah.
0: The actor is not a good actor. Uh, the yeah. they hired two young trans actors uh, to play these young people, and you know you kind of had a problem as a casting director because you had to find. A good actor who is 18, 17 years old and is a good actor. <clears throat> it's hard to do. Like you've narrowed yourself in any number of ways, right? And I think that the the boy that they got who plays the boyfriend, who's yeah. also a trans actor. So you had to like cast two of these people. You had to. I feel like I'm saying these people like these people. I don't so, know. I'm sorry. I don't. I don't mean it that way. <laughs> Clearly, they're you know. Right. They're, they're young people, they're young actors. The person they cast to play the boyfriend is an infinitely better actor <laughs> than the character, than the actor they chose to play Adira Tal. And yeah. I don't understand why that actor wasn't cast as Adira because uh, the character playing, the actor playing Adira is Disney Channel level. It's just, it's just they're just not there as an actor. And yeah. I don't want to be mean about it because they clearly can grow into it and they are surrounded by super talented, legendary Broadway people, legendary yeah. actors. And, you know, if there's any environment during which you're going to learn how to be an actor, it's probably that. Yeah. But,
3: yeah.
0: you know, they aren't great and just just as an actor. They're like just on an acting level is what I'm mean.
1: yeah. in. Yeah I, yeah. I will say this, though, because um, I kind of had a similar... Uh, uh, she's not, they're not terrible. Right. So, so they don't come on. I think they are. I
0: think they're terrible. Oh, I think they're, they're thinking they're doing gulping acting like that, 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 that very,
1: (laughs) they're doing the. They're doing CW acting.
0: (laughs) Oh, for sure. I mean, it's, it's the thing you see in every one-on-one acting class of like, I have something very important.
1: Yeah. To say, or to you, I'm really upset. You can tell by how hard I'm breathing. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right.
0: <laughs> and I and I want to like them. I really want to. Clearly, like this is a diversity we need. I think like the the scene from this season that made me roll my eyes, and I know that I don't have a right to this because I know that this scene was meaningful to trans fans. God bless them. Is the scene where Adiratol gets to say "my pronouns are they them," and it's a, such an important scene, right? And for mm-hmm. uh, for um, for representation and for hearing that within the continuity, it does not make sense that Stamets, who is a queer person, would not already get that. As, like the character is already two hundred years ahead of us, right? Where we are, we are learning those lessons. And, you know, you see us here on this, on this exact platform, correcting ourselves. Right. Like we are, you know, uh, a dude in his late thirties and other adults, and we are correcting ourselves now because we understand, hey, it's important not to misgender people. You know, everyone deserves to have their pronouns, correct pronouns. And so the idea that in 200 years, a queer man would not get that, or or need to be corrected, and especially. I think we're a little bit off, right? I think we might be off. I don't uh, know. I'm. You're still broadcasting. I mean, we're fine. We're fine. Okay.
2: Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Steve, Steve's not. Steve's off. But uh, okay. We're,
0: we're uh, fine. I hope he's okay. Um, yeah. The idea that a queer man two hundred years from now would need a hyper sensitive moment a hyper dramatic scene of oh by the way it's they them yeah you know th- there's a meme that goes around the star trek um kind of boards it looks yeah. like steve may have had to drop yeah it's all right he'll, he'll hop back on there, uh, there's a meme that are right, you right Steve? Yeah. so what i was i was getting into um, the, just, just the point I was making was that two hundred years from now, the idea that a queer man would need to be corrected, especially corrected in a hyperdramatic way like that, just <laughs> did. It just felt. It felt like it's for our audience and not for them. Um, Obviously, the thing yeah. I wanted to say: there's a meme that goes around the Star Trek boards, and it comes directly from the Deep Space Nine scene um, because Dax, our Trill character on Deep Space Nine, is very clearly a queer allegory. Within mm-hmm. Deep Space Nine, very clearly an allegory for queerness, um, and has been adopted by both the queer community and the trans community just as a as a sort of icon for themselves. There's a scene where um, Jadzia <clears throat> runs into a Klingon friend of Kurzon, her previous host, and it's um, it's one of the Klingon. I think it's Core Core yeah, series. and the then it's a was very a fun one. Yeah, and it's a very simple correction, right? Ah, Curzon, my old friend. It's Jadzia now. Jadzia, my old friend. And and it's that reaction, right? It's funny. It's informative. Speaks to their character. And is great queer representation. It's all of those things at the same time. And here we had to do an entire scene that is like the most film school. They, them. Excuse me? My pronouns. It's they, them. You know, like it's just, it's the most clumsily written,
1: overwritten. Well, well, and exactly. You put your finger on it. Almost any other Discovery character would have worked much better to have that exchange play out with. I mean, you know, uh, them and Tilly or them and, you know, Booker.
2: Yeah. Even Burnham.
1: Yeah.
2: I could see it on her face. Yeah. If she was like, oh, you know, yeah she's such a good actress i love sunika
0: martin green sunika martin green is incredible
1: yeah yeah although i do wish she'd stay on her voice more everything it has to come out a little like this yeah but it's like that might be the direction Yeah. yeah but but i get i get what you mean she does a lot even on walking dead it's like stop whispering <laughs> uh, Gil, anyway, the sound saying, the sound guy will thank you for not whispering all the time. Uh, Gil, <laughs> I was saying that Siddique Martin Green is my
2: pick for Storm for the MCU. I'm on board. Uh, yeah. You but got But then me. again. No, also. Right also back. bridge uh the actress. I had to look up her name. She plays Lieutenant owasekin
1: Uh
0: What what sorry? Is it Owasaken? Yeah, the S is pronounced more like a SH. Oh, okay.
2: Um, I mean, I love her. I want more of her. She's such a badass. And when you see her in the Mirror Universe, like <clears throat> kicking ass, I'm like, ah, I want more of the Bridge Crew. Is what so this talking.
0: this is gets to what frustrates me about Discovery. Uh-huh. And I wish uh, I want Steve to be back for this, but yeah. um, the so like I said, a, a huge part of what I love about Trek is the ensembleness of the cast, right? The right. ensembleness of the Next Generation and Deep Space Nine, even Voyager, which is not my favorite show, just because, just because it's not. But at least the it makes sense that like sometimes you're gonna have a Harry Kim episode, sometimes you're gonna have a Doctor episode, sometimes you're gonna have a Tom Paris episode, right? Um, on Discovery, there's no such thing as an episode that isn't a Burnham episode, right? Right, like I every agree. every episode is a burnham episode, and they made an effort this season to give the bridge crew like li- the more screen time, but they still group them and call them the bridge crew. They are grouped. Right. They are they're not gonna have scenes that aren't with each other. And we are theoretically, okay, now we know their names, now they have maybe have a little more character. But I want an Owoshikan episode. I want to see what her yeah. adventure would be. I wanna see what um uh, gosh, I'm forgetting some of their names. But Detmer, yeah, I, yeah, I had to look up. I want it to see a Kayla Detmer episode. Like, what's going on yeah. with Kayla? And uh, we don't know there's... anything about the the black male character or the Asian. Yeah, male his
2: character. name is Bryce. His name is his name is Bryce, and then um, the Asian uh, American character
0: is Reese. Great. I don't know any of that.
1: Like,
2: and uh, then ma- they also ma- added in the girl who used to play Aram Aram yeah. As Lieutenant Nielsen, yeah,
0: which is nice. And they like, gave her a new a new role. That's great.
2: Yeah, but they added her. But like, that's another character we gotta we gotta figure out, right? Like, what what she except
0: all about? except they won't like because Discovery is entirely the Michael Burnham show. So it's right. Steve. The the thing I was just saying was, you know, the thing I love about next-gen and, you know, all the next-gen era shows like DS9, Enterprise, and Voyager um, is that you're going to get episodes that are not about the main characters sometimes. You're going right. to get a Hoshi Sato episode. You're going to get uh, a Quark episode. You're going to get a Tom Paris episode, right? Yeah. There's no such thing as a Discovery episode that's not a Michael Burnham episode.
1: Uh, not
0: not now. Not now. Uh, Maybe in the future. But I, what I was saying was that even, you know, uh, Dimitri was talking about the bridge crew who've gotten a little more screen time this year, but I still don't see us getting an Awosha episode or uh, a Kayla Detmer episode that is really just like their adventure. This season, As as much as I thought this season was an improvement they bent over backwards in every script to make sure Michael was the center of whatever adventure. I am the one who has to go. You know, it's true. (laughs) I have, it has to be me. You know, it has to be me. Why? Because my name comes first in the credits. You know know (laughs) why
1: it's, I think, and I think that's one of the reasons why they just sort of gave in and said, you know, we wanted to make this about not the captain of this ship, but the star of the show of star Trek show should be the captain of the ship. And I think they just kind of yeah. finally gave up and, and said, yeah, we're, we we got to make her the captain of the discovery. It's, it's kind of ridiculous not to, because, because then it is, then it becomes, well, as a friend of mine, another friend of mine said, it's like, it's like, well, now that she's a captain, at least she won't be going rogue every episode. Right. So. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So, um, yeah. Uh,
2: Lower decks. Uh, can we touch on that for a little bit? Lower decks. I think it's great. Oh,
1: absolutely. The the lower decks is just a freaking revelation. I
2: didn't know I needed it. I didn't <laughs> want it. Yeah. I didn't want it. And
0: I knew. Now, I knew. I knew I needed it.
2: You knew you needed it. Yeah. You didn't think it would go too
0: far. I don't think it has gone too far.
2: I don't think it has. But did you no. think? I thought
1: it. Was no. Going that's the to? thing. Right. Yeah, I think I think it's amazingly walked this tightrope of being, you know, kind of a wacky, almost Rick and Morty esque almost Archer right. uh cartoon, and yet it has still remained Star yeah. Trek. It colors within <laughs>
0: the lines. The the uh, what I the the thing that they said about it, that the creators said about it, that I totally keyed in on was that it's really just a change in tone. It's not yeah. a change in story. The stories are all Star Trek stories. Um, uh, every all the characters are as competent as uh, as they would be on a regular Star Trek show. Even your like you know captain and first officer who seem to have like silly <laughs> priorities or silly quirks, they still are as competent as any other characters in Starfleet. Right. Mm-hmm. The and the excuse for having this tone is that the point-of-view characters are the lower-dex people. So anyone who's a lower-dex person is going to be critical of their superiors. That's that's the way it is in real life, and that's the way that it is on this show. And that makes total sense to me. Like, it's Star Trek's not a documentary. By virtue of being fiction, it has a point-of-view. Every character has a point-of-view because they are fictional characters. So it's okay for... A character to see their world in more of a sitcom kind of way. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: And, when when it and, comes to, uh...
1: oh, sorry, Steve, you want to you want to say something? Yeah, no, I was just gonna say, and and, uh, and yes, it's a Star Trek comedy. So so these characters are a little over the top, right? But they're over the top in a in a comedy set in the Star Trek world way, if that makes any kind of sense at all. Yeah. Um right. you, you know, Boimler is an overachiever, but he's a comedy overachiever set in the Star Trek universe. Um and same thing with uh, I can't remember her name. The
2: Oh yeah, the main guy. What's
1: the name? Yeah, the main I,
2: Yeah, I forget, I forget their names It's stuff
0: Look, we got three seasons of Star Trek in just one year, and two, <laughs> yeah. and two of them were brand new shows. I will go ahead yeah. and forgive us for not remembering every character's name. Mariner, yeah, Mariner, Beckett Mariner, Mariner.
1: Beckett yeah. Mariner. Be- Mariner, yeah. Um, I, again, she and I love her arc in this season. It's yeah, just- completely. I'm going to be the I'm going to be the rebel. Not that she actually is the rebel, but I but she's like purposely trying to be the rebel. Yeah, she's like there it,
0: to annoy the captain.
1: Yeah. And as it turns out, she just really can't end up being the rebel. <laughs> right. So she's too good, right? She's yeah. she's good at what
2: she does, so you can't shirk that responsibility right, right. at and,
0: point people's lives are on the line and right, she's a responsible right. person that we that is a likable person and so they're not going to be a person who's like let him die you know right
1: right and they had that great episode where her friend from the academy came and was like what is up with you how come you're such a dumbass right now? and it's like yay somebody's calling around your bullshit that's not her mom you know right <laughs> right and my Oh uh, uh
2: what I what I want to say about Lower Dex is like my original prop or problem or worry. My original worry when you do a comedic thing based in this shared universe is that the comedy will reach a level of absurdity that will break the fabric of reality, right? right. When we look at in our in our world, in just our normal lives, we have comedic moments just in everyday life that doesn't yeah. break down the fabric of our reality knowing that there are wars all over the, the world that aren't comedic. There are wars in, on earth in real life, Hell, but we could also have the, have a side story where people are like falling in love. There's romance. There's all these genres in real life that right. that all have to follow the fabric of reality, but what ends up happening in like Anchorman Man let's just say Anchorman (laughs) is supposed to take place in reality, but it doesn't because their comedy reaches the level of absurdity that breaks the fabric of reality that you can't say saving private Ryan takes place in the same universe (laughs) as Anchorman. (laughs) Right. You can't make sense. Uh, So if lower decks got to the point where they're breaking the fundamental rules of their universe, where other shows cannot coexist with it, then there'd be a problem. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Every time I need something to happen, something will happen, breaks the uh, like fabric right. of reality. Right. But lower decks
1: doesn't do that. Even though that is kind of a criticism level that all of Star Trek. <laughs> what? Which part? If we just if we just uh, realign the uh, blah blah emitters, then we'll right. solve every problem. Yeah, I've right. always
0: talked about how you know Captain Kirk and Hal Jordan are the same character. <laughs> just fundamentally, they're, they're the same character, and they're doing the same thing. Um, they have the same motivations and both, both the Starship Enterprise and the Green Lantern power ring are both allegories (laughs) for Aladdin's lamp. Yeah. There's nothing, there's absolutely nothing the Star Trek Enterprise, the Starship Enterprise can't do. If you like, there's always pseudoscience behind it, but the the Enterprise can do anything. The exact same as Hal Jordan's power ring. It's just a matter of like how that looks on screen. Right. Right. How it's presented.
1: As long as you recalibrate the uh, Heisenberg, uh, yeah, and uh, the compensators, and it's got to go through
0: the deflector dish, and for sure, <laughs> and then, for sure, yeah. So, but but yeah. there is there is literally nothing the Enterprise can't do. The Enterprise is analogous to Hal Jordan's power ring. I yeah.
1: would say. And you know the behind the scenes on that. there's, Again, you know, you know the you know the other name. Uh, besides Ryan Reynolds, that was, uh, was Chris Pine. Right. And I always thought that was a great idea.
0: I think Chris Pine should have been Hal Jordan because clearly, you know, just, just plays that, that thing so well and is super likable. There's nothing about his captain Kirk that feels like, even when they do the womanizing, whatever stuff, like, he doesn't play it like it's a foregone conclusion that he's going to end up with these women like he's he's playing it like i'm going to ask you don't have to say yes
1: <laughs> right. yeah right. and 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 of course the other thing about chris pine versus ryan reynolds ryan reynolds who i do like but he also again in the age of the internet uh ended up with a lot of uh, ryan reynolds van Wilder's going to play green lantern uh, Whereas if mm-hmm. you said Captain Kirk was going to play Green Lantern, people were like, "Oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure." <laughs> so yeah. Did anyway. Green
2: Lantern come out before the Abrams movie? No, uh, after.
1: right after. Yeah.
2: Ah, okay, okay. Um, let's uh, let's as we as we come to a close in this episode, we were uh, coming to a there close. There is uh, yeah, just of all our relationships. This is the last time I was <laughs> see all of you. uh, Brave New Uh start I keep saying new. Brave New World. I keep saying that it's Strange New Worlds, right? Yeah. Um, they they are probably gonna start filming soon. I'm not quite sure. Uh people were pointing out that those two characters are being uh, uh well Spock and uh Pike are being pushed to the front uh, of like those Paramount Plus commercials. Have you seen those? Yeah. Paramount Plus has commercials for Paramount Plus with their different characters, and they didn't bring in Michael Burnham and Saru to do that, to represent Star Trek there. They brought Spock and Pike to represent Star Trek in these commercials
1: uh, that they must start filming sometime soon. I guess they're, the, yeah, they're the, trying I must, to build that hang on let me look i believe they already have
0: actually i guess uh, they must have but I, I do think it's also a matter of brand recognition like the wider worldwide audience probably recognize those those bright blue and yellow uniforms easier than they recognize you know the the past the season one and two discovery ones or even the new gray right. discovery ones right right, right. so uh, saying like oh spock spock is spock spock is spock yeah. it's the icon of star trek You know we've talked we talked about this before, but I always have uh, the question I love to ask nerds is in your in your favorite franchise who is the main character that goes throughout right and we've talked about this before right right in the Marvel universe if you were to lay the entire Marvel universe out end to end I would say it's Peter Parker Peter Parker is the main character of the Star Wars of the uh, Marvel universe right Star Wars probably Anakin Skywalker right. I think it's probably debatable. Could be anybody. But, you know, in Star Trek, I used to say, and this was around the time of Deep Space Nine and Voyager, is if Star Trek was about one character, it's probably about Worf. And the reason I said that (laughs) was partially because the ending of the TOS era ends with making peace with the Klingons. And it goes back to the thing we were talking about before, right? The entire premise of of uh, foreign relations of the state department is to make friends of our enemies. So the idea is that like all of TOS is this journey from the Klingons as enemies to the Klingons as friends. And that coda is there because the undiscovered country is there, right? Thus making Worf your promise character that ends up on DS9 completes his arc whatever as we've gone through the jj verse movies and eventually wound up with discovery and all of those relationships to spock uh and including you know going uh including everything that entails with picard and the and the the, the romulans and all that clearly spock is the the central character of the star trek universe like from end
1: to end. yeah 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 uh that that's that's definitely an argument can be made for thank that thank yeah. you
0: thank you for yeah. noticing am. you see dimitri yeah. i am smart <laughs> you're right well,
2: you're, i mean you've been telling everybody you're not but everybody we know that you're not but you
0: proved me wrong
1: i mean <laughs> well, steve proved me right <laughs> well i mean if you look at everything every time they put a like a news like a casual news story or anything. The image that they always put up is Nimoy doing the right I can't see it in my virtual background. But yeah. The it looks, long and promise, it looks like you're be, it
2: looks like you're beaming away, by the way. Like your green screen makes it look like Yeah. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> see the special yeah. effects budget in the in in our in our uh, the key live right now is very high. We we put yeah, some money yeah. into the special. Event. Uh, yeah, I mean, I got
0: all of my Deep Space Nine characters playing the yeah. game from season one. Yeah. The yeah. follow along home or whatever it's called.
1: Yeah, yeah, move along, move, move along home,
2: move along home. Yeah. Uh, Steve, so, what were
1: you saying? Or was the Gill saying that? I was, uh, no, I was just agreeing. I think, just, I think, yeah. I think, you know, it's Spock is like the Superman S, you know, of, right. of Star Trek. Sure.
0: Yeah, and you know, if you're asking if um, what our predictions are for Strange, yeah, you cut
2: out, Gil. Gil, we can't hear you.
0: Can you? Can you hear me now? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> it seems clear to me that among the series that are going on now, uh, Picard kind of fills the the role of D Space Nine, which is we are exploring concepts we already know about. Like that's sort of Picard's job is like, okay, whatever this show is going to be, we are going to be exploring Borg cubes and what's going on with the Romulans and what's going on with uh, with synthetic people within the Federation. So it's sort of like taking concepts we already know and finding new twists on them discovery really is a new thing and like trying to that's why it's all the way out in the future and it's like okay very much bingeable it's very much about like sort of the netflix era of television mm-hmm. like it's very much that that's what it's here for is to tell sort of grand philosopher philosophical stories so it probably like fills the role of let's say a next generation right because it's there to talk about the human condition and you know this this season was all about connection and where do we find human connection my my uh, just pre- my prediction for strange new worlds is that it's really going to fill that tos void of mm-hmm. like we're going to have weekly adventures so we're going to have weekly yeah. short term um uh just uh morality plays exactly like steve described
1: yeah yeah no, and they i mean they've 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 you know directly said that it's going to be a different planet a week like the original series so i'm, I'm on board uh, i'm in yeah yeah it'll be interesting to see it what the, what they will do with a you know basic, basically the monster of the week uh type of storytelling again yeah, um, and in, yeah. in a
0: in a bingeable environment in a yeah in a streaming environment which is sort of something yeah. we don't see a lot now we don't see a lot of adventure of the week shows anymore. Yeah, then maybe
1: the CW shows. I guess. No, even those have yeah. like season long arcs. Yeah, <laughs> you're just, right. You're right. It's just like I, yeah. which I wish they would get away from. I guess on the Flash, they decided that they would. They would do like, you know, this yeah. third of the season is going to be this is going to be this big bad, then this one, and then maybe yeah. we'll tie those two together with a third one at the end. You know. Yeah. 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 The the age of the sort of Buffy big bad of the year thing for these kind of genre adventure stories. Um, I do kind of hope it goes the way of the dodo, or at least I hope we get something a little bit more nuanced than that. Cause
0: I think there's room for both. Uh, You know, right now we have, we have three Star Trek series on right now. We know, we know about two more. We know about three more.
3: Yeah. Yeah. We're gonna have oh, six, three
0: more, yeah. We're gonna have six Star Trek shows, one of which is gonna be on Nickelodeon for children. This is <laughs> yeah. this is peak Star Trek, and I am for sure here for it. If I could spend the rest of my life only watching Star Trek, I would. <laughs> and yeah, I ha- and I'm gonna have enough variety to do it.
1: Yeah. Well, you've got uh eight hundred episodes and counting. <laughs> and movies and
0: and well, comics and novels. I have I have all the Star Trek I could ever need.
1: Oh, the the shelf I'm sitting in front of is all my Star Trek paperbacks. And how
0: did you feel about uh, the fall? The fall
1: storyline. The the post uh, Deep Space Nine. Yeah, yeah, there was like five books. Yeah,
0: Um, like the president of the Federation was was assassinated, and then all of our different crews had to uh, react to that. Yeah,
1: (laughs) um, I. uh, I, I like those. I like I the exploration of the Andorians and and you know, when when Enterprise kind of ignored that, you know, four sex aspect of I was like, well, eh, okay. And
0: Yeah, I think it was a little complicated complicated for them unless they really wanted to dive into it. But Dimitri, yeah. in case you don't know, there was a throwaway line on Next Generation <laughs> in an episode called The Offspring. Uh, and the andorians really have not appeared an awful lot before enterprise enterprise is the right. first time we really explored the andorians at all um and in the offspring there's one scene where <laughs> data is trying to decide what species his robot daughter is going to be and he decides and when one of the, and one of the moments is maybe she should be andorian well andorian might be tough cuz andorians have four sexes and it's a throwaway line and and we move on and no one had ever picked it up. It could have been ignored. The novels, the novels decided to make it to make it central to their culture. <laughs> yeah. And it was so smartly done, so interestingly done, because what they ended up doing with it is making an entire um, uh, uh, a, a, a reproductive crisis go on on Andoria. Because if you are a planet and you're a self-contained planet and you have four sexes, nature is going to figure out how to make that work, right? There's going to be a bell curve of, you know, this many people are born this sex, this many people are born that sex, you know, in humanity, I think we're something like 51, 49 female, right? Something like that. Right. So, you know, within a closed system, the, and by the way, that's again, going back to the old thing, Even that is old thinking because clearly there's some percentage in between. It might be 50% female. It might be 48 female, 48 male. And in between, you have many different variations or whatever. There's a spectrum, right? Um, Within Andorian society, they're like, okay, there are four sexes. There are two vaguely male and two vaguely female. But to create a a litter, a child, a, a pod of children, you need all four. In order yeah. to, for that to biologically work. And now that the Andorians are in space and exploring and part of the Federation and not everyone is on Andoria, it makes it difficult for people to come back <laughs> and have children, right? So it, it makes it twice as difficult because you have to get four people to pair, or yeah. whatever. It, yeah. Three times as yeah. difficult. Makes it three times as difficult, Right. It's hard oh, enough it's finding find one, one person. to find yeah. the other person. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not like it's another person's responsibility to get the other one. Like all four of you have to fall in love, right? Oh, right. Like the four of you have to already become a, a family. Yeah, yeah, become a bond. A do bond. They, group. Do they believe in love? Do they yes. believe in love? Okay. Yeah. They that that in makes love. a difference,
1: right? Yeah, and and in those books, the the Starfleet character is kind of looked at with some stink eye by the other 3 because, because he refuses like, to come back yeah yeah
0: and start it's a family like, he wants to have his adventures
1: yeah
2: what what am, what did i watch recently what did i watch recently where someone was part of a a a, a, tri, a triad what did i what space related thing what was it I don't know, but but I
0: but I love it as a concept. It's one of those things that like Star Trek was built to do, right? Like the engine yeah. of Star Trek is built to tell those kinds of stories, and yeah. you know it's a it's a little heartbreaking that the TV side hasn't taken this up. This is not canon. It's only no. can it's only canon by virtue of that one throwaway line on Next Generation. But it's totally something yeah. that like would be really cool if they if they let it be if they let it be part of the, the continuity.
1: Yeah.
3: yeah. I
0: remembered I remembered what I what what it was.
3: Steve
2: hates this show Avenue 5. But he Oh was yeah terrible. Worried, I hate it. I uh, I liked it. I like cuz it got to a point where where what what the airlock scene? I don't know if you guys got that far, I did. But the airlock scene was 2020. And yeah. it was crazy. Oh, yeah. It was 2020. No. Uh, it Gill, had... You know what I'm talking about?
0: I don't know what you mean by had... it was
1: 2020. It, it oh. was oh, oh uh uh it's fake news. They're just keeping us prisoner on this ship. We're not even uh, in, in space. <laughs> I'm going right, we're going to exit the airlock. We're
2: going to exit the airlock, and we're going to be fine, and we're just going to go into the green room because, like, this is a set. And when people die in the airlock, they're like, oh, those are crazy special effects. Let's do it again.
1: And, and like, three or four people space themselves. No thanks. More than Before, three, like y- Yeah. I, I, I didn't.
0: I didn't like it because the whole show just devolved into people yelling at each other and insulting yeah. each other. And you know, I'm all for. I like the uh, Armando Iannucci thing when it's Veep. I really love Death of Stalin. I think Death of Stalin is one of the best movies of that year. Um, so I like a lot of what he does. When it's just people just yelling at each other, it just gives me a headache.
1: Yeah, it, uh, a friend of mine put it. He goes, "It was terrible people doing terrible things to other terrible people." And yeah, I was like, exactly. Yeah, it's just I you're right and and my there's no one is, to lock on to there's no one to, to no, be like, all right
0: that's my guy i can like this person is at least a responsible person and
1: yeah maybe the one engineer person but even yeah. she kind of threw her hands up at a certain point went i'm just gonna be shitty to everyone because they're shitty to me and it's like
3: yeah well then i hate all of you
1: i hope you all die <laughs> right right and especially uh, but- i hope josh Yan dies <laughs> yeah why why
0: do i want those characters to get home Yeah, I don't see why I want.
1: I don't care. I just mean in general, I want Josh Gad to die. No, (laughs) come on, be nice, uh, be nice to little Josh Gad.
3: Yeah, Uh,
2: it's interesting (laughs) when you guys bring up Star Trek and their concepts because although I started J.J. Abrams stuff or started Star Trek with J.J. Abrams stuff, uh, I was a big Animorphs fan growing up, and I don't know (laughs) you. I don't know uh, how much you guys know about Animorphs but it's not like the TV show because the TV show
3: was a dumb water
2: there was a TV show for two seasons a dumb watered down Nickelodeon version filmed in Canada with like no action (laughs) And no themes, no, not even any themes from the books, but the books are about child soldiers, essentially. It's about these children who have to, they're paranoid all the time and they have to kill people to like stay alive and they have to stay in secret. Otherwise their whole family will get taken over. So it's an invasion of the body snatchers with Star Trek because the author is a big uh, Trek fan. So even the main, there's a main good species called the Andalites, which are very uh, similar in in very, very small ways to the Andorans or Andorians because they have stocks, but there's, there's a separate thing to it. And they bring in a lot of Star Trek concepts into Animorphs that I recognize from Animorphs. And then when I watch Star Trek, I'm like, Oh, this is how it's all related. And even in the final book of Animorphs, they go into outer space and they're like, Oh, people out in outer space have never seen Star Trek. So when they <laughs> hail us, we're going to use fake names that are from Star Trek. But it turns out they're like, oh, we've seen Star Trek because we were from Earth. And it's this crazy <laughs> thing. Anyway, the point being is Animorphs, I just want to do a shout out about Animorphs because the author was uh, a Star Trek fan. And-
0: yeah, I recently I did a, a Gargoyles rewatch. I hadn't yeah. seen it since the 90s. I, I don't think I'd ever seen the full thing. And, you know, it's yeah. one of those, like, late 90s experiments in arc-based storytelling, right? Just like Deep Space Nine was. And so many Star Trek actors appear on it. Jonathan Frakes is the main bad guy. Uh Uh, marina sirtis is the second secondary bad guy uh patrick stewart makes an appearance brent spiner is a recurring michael dorn plays several characters so it's so so great to see like you know uh this show where it's it you know it's it's the influence of star trek the legacy of star trek in different places yeah right just like the one i guess
2: it's it's nice to see that keep going Star Trek is, key, is still going, and I—I I would never have thought there was a moment in time when I was younger. Like I would never have thought Star Trek would make a comeback. I thought it was over. I thought it, you know, after Enterprise, I thought it was over. You know.
1: Oh no! I, it, it, it. And maybe this is just the maybe this is just the the boomer in me, but it was like right. It's such it's such a good storytelling concept that somebody sometime was going to was going to grab it right because because again we talked about this after enterprise yeah well there was still a group of young people because i i would run into them at star trek conventions all the time that were like you know they were born in like 1990 and they had grown up with later Berman era star trek so those kids for sure when they became adults and became in charge of some studio we're gonna go hey we haven't done anything with star trek in a while so they were always gonna do it and then just the fact that you know somebody a little bit older born in like 1980 or 1970 you know got a hold of it and said you know there's still some money to be made from star trek maybe not the way we had been doing it but some other way and then that's where we get to jj abrams Movies. Yeah, I mean, for years, I, you know, I thought that the future of Star Trek would be
0: these, like, one-off miniseries, you know, or or single-season ideas or anthologies or TV movies or something. And, you know, it t- makes total sense that the streaming service would be, like, the home of it, right? Yeah. Because, right. The, you know, so many people are rediscovering those Burman-era Bourbon shows, Mm -hmm. on netflix and i mean they're literally on every streaming service by the way (laughs) yeah they're on amazon hulu netflix uh any other ones you can name and 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 paramount plus yeah yeah paramount plus now um so they are everywhere that you want to be any anywhere you are they are and so so many people have discovered voyager discovered deep space nine discovered next gen and it it was. It would, didn't make sense that there wouldn't be some streaming future for it. The fact that there's going to be at some point six concurrently running shows. Yeah. You, I mean, I. It's. I can't imagine. I, yeah. I'll have yeah. to wait till
1: next year to see what it looks like, but. Yeah. And the fact that no, I still can't I get a job on any of them—that's the crazy part, right? I actually got paid to be a Klingon, and I can't. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: Uh, I okay. think it's interesting, as, as especially, I mean, as we wrap up this episode, like, streaming services, like, it's it's an arms race right now, right? <clears throat> like, producers want to be able to hinge their whole retirement fund on a franchise, right? Right, <laughs> like, yeah. The next and by the way, 20 that's, years is good. So. Yeah.
0: That's, that's yeah. the thing with... What um, were we going to say? No, I was just going to say the thing with Trek is... Um, I lost it. I lost what the thing about Trek was. Um, <laughs> I I keep going. I, I yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Well I lost well it's it. an
0: arms race, right? So Oh no, what I was gonna I... say. Sorry. Oh, okay. I found, I found <laughs> it. But it's it's what you said. It's uh just that people um, you know, they knew that Star Trek is gonna draw in a certain number of people. They didn't know that it was gonna draw in millions of people. They didn't know right. that they, they were going to draw on enough people to sustain six separate television series, right? Right. When, when Enterprise went off the air, people were like, that's ah, peak Star Trek. It's too many things. You know, pe- people still have Voyager in their heads. People are getting these next generation movies. We didn't need, you know, three things on at the same time or whatever. and uh, Or three shows back to back without a break in between. And, you know, now we're about to get six at the same time.
1: Right. Yeah. And I think I, that that's. I, yeah. Go ahead. I, I was going to say I think it's. I think it's also smart that they've adopted more of the the BBC philosophy of, do we need twenty two episodes? Maybe we only need ten or twelve. You know. Right. Um, and so then so then it does kind of uh, sort of self correct the oversaturation issue. It's like right. you know you always you always want to you always want to leave them wanting more uh kind of thing so as long as we're not burning them out on 22 episodes some of the middle ones which might be a little mediocre might be just filler filler yeah yeah um if we can get 12 really good episodes out then people will remember the 12 really good episodes or i think strange new worlds is only going to be six so oh yeah oh
2: see that that's cool but it doesn't satiate my appetite like (laughs) i always miss it and want more you know um yeah yeah but but i I think what really changed the game is uh and it's weird that i'm making this connection but it's the mcu and it 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 has people used to this idea that like there's a huge shared universe there's Mm -hmm. a million stories you could tell at once now star trek can do six shows like that star wars is gonna have uh, just as many, right? Like, uh, yeah. uh, maybe not at the same time, but back to back to back to back. Disney has Marvel and Star Trek that's just paying for everything. And then Paramount can have their thing. And. You know no doubt there's gonna be like a Mission impossible show at some point, you know what I mean yeah,
0: sure like whoever yeah, you know, yeah it. it's it's funny to me the- because we're we live in the age of reboots. We just didn't know that yeah. all the reboots would be happening all at the same time <laughs> right like they're right. like they are literally all happening at the same time. you know, I'm shocked right. there's not a Gumby meets Popeye, you know movie right. that works like it's it's just crazy, like every franchise is back. Yeah. Right. Um, uh,
2: you know what's weird? You know what the most left field thing is, that's coming back is? They're making a Punky Brewster uh, sequel uh, series. Start. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's a sequel yeah. series. Punky yeah.
2: Punky Brewster.
0: Yeah, I, I loved Punky Punky Brewster. Had a cartoon, <laughs> by the way. There was a, the sitcom yeah. spawned a cartoon, so it's already yeah. a franchise.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh,
0: I know. It's nuts. It, it's absolutely yeah. nuts. Um, I don't think it is that um, nuts. Clearly it's clearly it's
1: working. Well, I mean yeah. Saved
2: by the bell came back, so I mean, yeah.
1: And apparently he's <laughs> really good. Karate kid?
2: Who knew? Yeah, Cobra Kai <laughs> like Um so now as we officially close this episode, uh no. I, if you have any final thoughts uh Gill and Steve on Star Trek, uh we could we could, we'll we'll do a round of final thoughts and then we'll do plugs and uh
1: we'll call it an episode um yes steve go go ahead um i if i were king of paramount or cbs um and and i guess it's in the zeitgeist because somebody just sent me some other writers similar pitch uh but i and and it's kind of based on there was a star trek novel called star trek federation um yeah, it's talking about the larger universe. I kind of want to see a Star Trek to the West Wing <laughs> thing kind of taking place at the Federation president's office and just having to deal with Andorians coming in and wanting this and Klingons wanting this and having to have peace conferences with the Romulans. And meanwhile, his chief of staff is dealing with, you know, some lower decks ish kind of, you know, problem as the B story. <laughs> So Can we get Duley Hill? Can we get Duley Hill? Dulé Hill is the president? Sure. Man, I'm telling you, I would love for Aaron Sorkin to take a run of the Star Trek series. That would just be... I don't know. I hated his Star Trek
0: episode. His Star Trek West Wing episode just pissed me off so much. Wait, which one was that? It was on the West Wing. There was an episode where... Uh, a temp wore a Star Trek pin and so Josh had to come over and lecture her and I was just so mad about it because clearly like you're wearing a Star Trek symbol on your shirt right now yeah it's not that like it's not like a Marvel it's not like a Captain America or Batman symbol like it looks theoretically fashion-y like someone wouldn't necessarily know unless it was a giant fucking thing right Yeah. so the, so the idea and by the way and Josh comes over and is the most condescending that Josh has ever been on the show. Because he's <laughs> like, look, he's like, let me see if this sounds familiar. Who's our favorite Romulan? What are our favorite galaxies? And first of all, there's only one galaxy in Star Trek.
1: Right. Right.
0: First of all, we're only in our galaxy, Mister Sorkin. Yes, yeah. Who are our favorite Romulans? What would it happen if our favorite Romulan mated with our favorite Cardassian? And he's just been the just weaseliest that he's been since happy since uh, since Billy Madison. And I just hate <laughs> that scene so much. So I don't like. I don't want Sorkin to touch Star Trek. I don't Wait, think he respects it. What was
2: the it. premise of that? Somebody. What was the premise? Somebody wore a pin in the White House.
0: Someone wore a Star Trek pin in the White House, and Josh told Donna to tell her to take off the pin. That's the whole premise of this C story or D story or whatever. Like it's <laughs> it, it has literally two beats. And then Josh comes by and is like, uh, hey, uh, you know, I'm not against it. Uh, you just gotta be professional. And the temp is like, well, you'd think someone in the White House would respect the ideals of the Federation series, which is also not something anyone calls Star Trek, right? It just bothers me so much. And then he comes back later and like gives her a fucking lecture about being too much of a Trekkie. Like, shut up, Aaron Sorkin. Someone, <laughs> a character, a character wore a pin that bothers you. A, a character is dressed perfectly professionally, and the one thing is they wore a fucking pin. Fuck you. Yeah.
3: Oh, I, I, him, so. I didn't know that. Okay. <laughs>
0: yeah, um, but he doesn't love Star Trek, and that's the thing I didn't. All
1: right. Well, then we'll have to beat him up. And
0: yeah, and yeah, we'll Dude, get him.
1: You're gonna sit here and watch 18 or 800 uh, episodes and movies back to back until you get it yeah for sure i mean that's that's
0: the joke from uh the daily show right well you know you've seen that that image from the daily show where jj went on i think during the promo for into the darkness and he says and they're telling a bit talking about the origin story of him coming on to direct and jj's like you know i didn't grow up as a star trek fan and then like goes into whatever and john stewart looks at him and he's like i'm sorry i didn't hear anything after i wasn't a star trek fan i saw your <laughs> I saw your mouth moving, so I assume you apologized. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. Um,
2: Gil, do you have uh, do you have any closing thoughts about uh, Star Trek and where it's going? And- I-, I love it.
0: I can't wait to see where it goes. Um, I'm I'm here for whatever they do. I mean, clearly, you know, like Steve, I would prefer to have um, something that explores kind of the world we know already um you know i think we've done plenty of discovering new worlds i mean i'm very happy strange new worlds is going to be there but i really want to explore the world we have i want to see what the ongoing politics of the klingon empire is i want to see the rebuilding of Cardassia. i want to see you know the the inner workings of the federation and the romulan empire and the unification of the romulans and vulcans and all of those things right yeah like, I just want to see, you know, I want to see what Roms Ferenginar looks like. All of those things.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: All of those things that, that are kind of the promise uh, of Trek. And it's okay that we haven't gotten those things. and At this point, I don't think we're going to. But uh, I do wish that, like, the powers that be were like, yeah, well, let's, let's live in this a little bit. Let's not keep trying to push out. Let's build up instead of out for a little while. Or at least yeah. have one series that does that, which I think... Picard is kind of in that direction. Um, yeah. for, my, for myself, clearly you can catch me online at GJ Barron at all the things. I'm, at G, I'm on Clubhouse now, so get at me. Find my rooms on Clubhouse. We'll talk Star Trek. We'll talk whatever you, you guys want to talk about. Um, my shows are Your Late Night Show Tonight and Setflix, both of which are at the Nowhere Comedy Club now. So feel free to go to the, their calendar and, and get your tickets uh, super early for that. Our next host for Your Late Night is going to be Fizza Dosani, who is an incredible comedian, has been around for a long, long time, did CBS Diversity Showcase, uh, and is going to be on your guys' radar forever. So uh, get in on the ground floor now and check out her her Your Late Night show on February 19th. Awesome. Awesome.
2: Uh, Steve, where can we find you next? What do you got coming up? You got anything?
1: <clears throat> um, I... I'm mostly just going to be teaching. Uh, I'm I'm not doing any kind of uh, you know performing or anything. Probably not until the fall. Uh, although I do occasionally, I do want to plug uh, two other uh, podcasts. Okay. Um, as long one, as they aren't enemies of mine. No, I, I, I don't. <laughs> uh, because I did make a couple of recent appearances uh, yeah. on on them. Um, one is called Geek Shock.
2: Oh no! Uh, never mind. Not them. No, just don't. Yeah. I
1: don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's called Geek Shock, and you can find me on. Let me see if I can figure out which episodes. I'm on uh, episode five sixty eight, um, and is it five sixty nine? Well, anyway, and I'm also on the episode called. Um, called uh red ball no red bull okay Wait, cool but...
0: i no. i just appeared on the tng podcast if you guys look up uh, wherever fine pods are cast you'll see the tng podcast and i got to talk about one of the stupidest tng episodes the royale so we get to talk all about that the the completely pointless <laughs> the
1: royale <laughs> still not as bad as shades of mm-hmm. gray I don't remember Shades of
0: Gray, but I'm on board. <laughs> Good, uh, I'll go watch it. A, I
1: promise. Oh, it's completely forgettable. It's a clip show, and it's a terrible. Oh, I re- yes, uh, I remember
0: clip the clip show. I remember it as the clip show.
1: Yeah, it was, oh, it's horrible. <laughs> they
0: did a clip uh, show. Like, they did a clip show at the end of season one.
1: Two. Two. It was yeah, in even better. Even yeah. better. <laughs> yeah, because uh, the writers um, strike, and it's, well, they were like awful.
0: about to retool the show too, so they're like. All right. Well, I guess we're not going to do a finale this season.
1: Yeah. Well, the writers strike killed them. Yeah. Were, were you going to say something, Steve? Yeah, and then the other one is um, Matt and Mattingly's Ice Cream Social uh, is another podcast. Um, All right. That I'm not on it, but a couple of friends of mine. Uh, that's their show. Both their shows are based in Las Vegas, and uh, and they're they're both done. Uh, Matt and Mattingly. There are two improv uh improv guys that that then just do this kind of like wacky free-for-all uh type of show. And then Geek Shock is kind of like the Key, it's everything geeky. Yeah. And and the Red Ball episode, uh, I made the mistake of actually drinking some fireball all through it. Mm. So I get Is it Red get, Bull and Fireball put together? You fell yeah. victim to the one because of the classic blunders yes because towards the end i was like i'll just have some more red red ball no fire f- because i was drunk and couldn't remember it so yeah, they, yeah. They, they titled it red ball <laughs> <laughs> red ball um
2: thank you uh thank you Gil. thank you steve for coming on the show um this show wouldn't be anything without you two you two have been uh, appearing on on keeg stuff uh, for a while now Gil more newer more new than steve but uh, both of you guys, I have you guys on often, and you always know exactly what you're talking about, unless it's like Red Bull Fireball, some <laughs> okay, right. um, So thank you, thank you so much for for being a part of this episode. Thank you to everybody out there who is watching. Um, if you, you know, no matter what platform you're watching on, uh, give us a follow, give us a like, give us a subscribe, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, we do a lot of shows here. The Key Live is now a bi-weekly show, so we do it every other week. Every other week. Um, so in February, we have two shows. We have, uh, the greatest romances and geekdom, uh, episode for Valentine's Day or the day before Valentine's Day, should I say, probably do best and worst romances. Uh, I'll tell you, Harley and Joker is the worst, or at least my pick for the worst. Uh, but I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll tackle that in that episode. And then we're coming back for uh, a Superman episode because that'll be after Superman lowest premieres. And uh Gil, I will definitely keep you in mind. I you, you guys, ah uh, you guys are you guys are so good at what you do. You guys know everything. Uh we, we'll see. Uh we'll see. I'll put you guys at the top hey. of the list. So uh uh we'll we'll make sure that works out. But then we also do a WandaVision after show uh on, on late, late, late Wednesday night or no Thursday night, early, early, early Friday morning at 1 a.m. after those shows drop. So we're doing a lot of shows. Uh, then we do key back on, uh, on Friday. Night. Okay. Uh, I, uh, I have, I have steel right here. That's Honestly, awesome.
0: that's steel is a very strong entry in this. Uh, yeah. I love steel as a character. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, uh, Darwin, Darwin cook Superman is, is definitely the Superman action figure for me. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, so uh, either way, I could do a lot of shows here. So thank you guys for being a part of it. And being cro- you guys are cross-platform uh, guests. So you guys are all over the place. So thank you so much yeah, I'm all over um, that yeah. clubhouse.
0: Get on clubhouse, man.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> I'm gonna send you an invite. I send you you're an invite for me
2: another platform and it's like, ah, I'm already ticking on the top, you know what I mean? you're you're gonna, gonna get addicted.
0: Tick- you're gonna love clubhouse. I, I,
2: uh, all right. All right, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Uh, but again, thank you out there for watching. Thank you to Steve and gil for coming on the show. uh once again, I'm your host dimitri Pereira, and this has been the key live. Take care, everybody.